Wait, wait, what, Ryan? Are you already recording? Never mind. Yeah, but go ahead. Uh, Miles, what? Remind me again the name of your company. Sorry. Oh yeah, Wise Guys Wise Events. Guys. I was going to say Smart Guys, but that I believe I wouldn't do a argue. UPN sitcom. <laughs> oh well, let's get a synopsis on that. <laughs> okay, well, another time. All right, let's start. Okay. And here we go. Welcome back for the last time to Snakes, Rats, and Goats. I can't even say the name of the podcast correctly. Well, definitely the last time for Snakes, Rats, and Goats. Yes. Snakes, Rats, and Ghosts. Gorts. I'm and your co-host, Ryan Alder. Yes. I'm your co-host, Ryan Elder, and with me, as always, is... Your co-host, Scott Chernoff. Scott nailed it. This is exciting. This is very exciting. It's been what a finale. Exciting, exciting week. We didn't miss a single episode this season. Did you did you notice that? I don't know that we've ever done that. <laughs> I noticed it. My wife and kids noticed it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Well, bring our guest in because he's great and I don't want to waste any more time. Well, he's okay. All right. Um, this <laughs> He's a friend of the podcast and a friend of ours. Uh, this guy I've been watching Survivor with for not, probably nearly nearly the whole 20 years. And uh, he has been our traditional finale episode guest. He is an improviser. He is a thinker. He is a writer. He is the founder of Wise Guys Entertainment, which uh, designed games he can create he can describe it way better than i can and in fact i've buried the lead he is a challenge consultant on a little show called survivor please welcome the great miles nye hi snakes rats and goats thanks for having me ryan and scott wow yes miles got the name right i did get it right all season to get it right i guess you did too ryan that was great i had all how many years have we been doing this? I love that you biffed the intro on what you're billing as the final intro because it's usually Scott. Let's be real. Like that was the thing for the longest time. Right before we started recording, <laughs> Ryan said it's the last episode ever of our podcast of Snakes, Rats, and Goats. And Miles said, uh, Isn't every episode potentially the last episode <laughs> of Snakes, Rats, and Goats? Like always. We're always on a razor's true. edge. Over <laughs> we really are. And We're always on the edge of extinction uh, yeah. on uh, Snakes, Rats, and Goats. Because you haven't tattooed, you guys do a lot of stuff. You do a lot of projects. You haven't tattooed, I am a podcaster on your wrists. You haven't tattooed, endure and let go on your wrists. No, no. Um, I, I, I tattooed, let it go with a picture of Elsa. <laughs> wow, that is you're really committed. Well, my daughter and I went together to get tattoos, special... matching tattoos. So Ellie and has I... Anna. She's yeah. got Anna, and I've got Elsa. <laughs> really, and I lot. tattooed in Durham on my hand. <laughs> on my and it's got a picture of Michael Jordan um, from his college days. Yeah, he's a Durham Warrior. Um, isn't that a Survivor backyard game? The Durham Warriors. Isn't oh that? yeah, yeah, I think so, it is. Yeah. Uh, and since you're not on the hook for it, like you took the hiatus and you came back, you came roaring back. Mm-hmm. And that just means that every episode you give us is a gift. Thank you for that. You guys, and like, yeah, major credit. You didn't miss an episode this season. That's you dope. Know. You light up great guests. <laughs> you came back week after week. It's great. It's great. Well, well, that was our strategy. Have where where well, we have like, to go? Nobody told you to do it. 
you know, nobody was like, oh yeah, we want more episodes of your podcast. You just give them to us and hey, you know, we listen to them. Some people want more episodes. A small handful of people. A hey, very if small handful of people who demanded more episodes. Are they all five-star review leavers? They better be. They better yeah. be. If you're going to gripe to the hosts, it is the least you can do to go leave that five-star review. It takes you no time at all. There was no griping. There was just uh, encouragement. Just hoping, just praying okay. and I wishing. feel like... I'm going to uh, soil my reputation as a good finale guest if I shit on your listeners. So I walk it. I take it all back. <laughs> shit away, man. After this, first. we won't have listeners. We're burning down the entire shelter tonight. <laughs> what will it be like for someone you're, who's You're listening? like our Butch Lockley. I am the Butch Lockley. Somebody burned down the shelter. It somebody. I don't know who it was. It could have been any person. You know, speaking so, of gifts... Miles, you gave me the greatest gift a year ago. It was a gift. In our it was a gift to share with you, and you both and I both know because we're dads and we see it in the child's face when you have given the <laughs> gift really, that represents. I was pure like, joy. you were like my dad that day. You gave me a <laughs> gift, and I went and worked for Miles at the live finale of season thirty-eight, Edge of Extinction. Yes. I gotta say, whatever we think of that season, it was. Uh, an amazing experience that day, and above all, it was also a very exciting finale. However, it really controversial. Was. It was really fun to watch it with the live audience. I was hoping we could repeat this year, but I will say, what a finale! This one was what incredible. A finale, boys. It was a humdinger. Uh, and yeah, actually, I think that would be a good order of operations to discuss what didn't happen this year because it is a downer and then get into what did happen this year because it's so <laughs> energizing because I was yeah. on track to be at the finale with Kerhoffer assisting him oh. in Challenge Alley. I'm usually there in his stead. Oh. But this time we had arranged it and Laurel was going to be my plus one. You know, Scott, when you and I went, as you remember, my plus one was my mom. She got to join yeah. me as my guest. But I she do remember. Work. And so you met my mom and she met Reem. There's great pictures of my oh, mom and Reem. We sat behind Reem's family. So as soon as they cut the cameras, Reem came right over to where we were. And she was talking to her kids and they were like, we had potato chips for dinner. And Reem was like, oh, really? Oh, that's great. Oh, you had potato chips for dinner. Oh, awesome. Oh, that's so great that you did that. And she's just Reem right there. And I met Reem's husband that night. Mr. Reem. Mr. Reem, yeah. So I was, very nice. this was going to be Laurel's turn to be my plus one. Cause I let my mom go first and right. uh, Laurel was going to come. Greg was going to fly into town and Willow was going to join us. And you know, I had front row seats for you guys. I pulled some strings with Jeff. I said, you got to put snakes, rats, and goats in the sure front. I was going to break it. Oh yeah. I was going to break it to you on the show. I'm sure you brought that right to Jeff's attention. I you were going to break it to us on the show that we recorded <laughs> after we already got those front row seats. Is that the time? The way I, this timeline would have worked. I guess I screwed that up. Huh? Oh well, it's a good thing that it got canceled. It's a relief. Um, <laughs> yeah. And about the finale that Scott and I attended, Chris Underwood was among the survivors that they released from the green room to go play challenges in Challenge Alley, and I did think that was a little peculiar out of everybody who was on Edge of Extinction. Because you have to remember, from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, we didn't know Chris Underwood was going to win the Edge of Extinction Challenge. Right, so it was the show itself. Victoria was there, uh, and um, Julie, and... Devins, or no, so eventually, but see, I didn't put Devins together... Was the, 
Devin's was the most mobbed. He was totally mobbed. And I, I even I, I was star. I, I mean, I work in sh- the business of show, but I was like, I got to get a picture of Devin's. But like Devin's was really I, something. It didn't occur to me until you just said it. I didn't know that only certain people were released. I thought it yeah. was the people who felt like coming out and checking it out. There was a first wave of people who they brought to Challenge Alley to play games against the players. And then there was a, uh, then they released everybody, I'm pretty sure. Um, to play I mean, games I against the audience, you mean? That's right. Yeah. yeah. When I saw Devin's at the after party, I was like, Psh, I, I don't have time for Devin's. Because Devin's annoyed me. <laughs> at the end, I was like, why is he still in the game? He shouldn't even be in the game. You know, I was really pissed that I thought he was going to win. And my animosity towards him went up and up and up and up as it looked more and more and more like he was going to win. And uh, I just hated Edge of Extinction. And little did I know it would be even worse than I imagined. So you went to the after party, but you hadn't watched the show. Uh, yeah, I went to the after. Well, I mean, I know I knew what happened. I knew what happened, but I still was like, I still had residual animosity about it. I know what happened. And it's not his fault. You didn't come to the after party for hours and hours. I left before you got there. That's right. I had something else going on. I can't remember what it was a work thing or something. Uh, Mr. Showbiz. Mr. Showbiz. I wish I could remember what it was. Also, I was just like down on the season, so I was probably looking yeah. for any excuse. Yeah, to Ryan, Ryan's a survivor powder sometimes. Uh, yeah, I've noticed. Yeah. That. You didn't Look. watch Ghost Island, and I, I don't think you and I have connected on that because Ghost Island was another survivor finale that I attended live, and I got to watch the tie vote break get read. That's the, pretty exciting. One, yeah. That's Wait, cool. you didn't watch Ghost Island? I watched Ghost Island, I just didn't watch the entire finale. But you were you knew who won Ghost Island early in the season, didn't you? Wait, you watched the no, whole no, no, season. No. You watched the whole season, and then midway through the finale, you were like, "Ah, I've seen." Yeah, enough. I just wasn't feeling it. Yep, that's unthinkable. That I know, guys. Weird. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have a podcast about Survivor. Ah, but not even no, that. Should, let me just say, strange human behavior that you would like. <laughs> I've read this entire book. There's two pages left. I decided I don't really like the no, book. It's, no, that's it's not quite that bad. It's I've read this entire book. There's two pages left. I don't have time to read them. I'm just going to look up who how it ends. No, that's a strange behavior. No, I'm going to look. No, but let, no, that, just that's as long to look at too much. Look it up. Last two pages take three hours to read. Let's put it that way. Okay. Right? I'm not buying it. No, Ryan, I remember the chronology of this. You were palling around with survivors and you knew who won Ghost Island before. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I avoided have avoided spoilers on every season except for Worlds Apart when we had Max on as a guest. And he basically, he didn't come out and say Mike wins, but he really, really, really let us read between the lines on his analysis. Yeah. Um, And uh, no, I, I haven't been spoiled on the winner of any season as far as I know. Interesting. Um, but Matt, no. but hanging around with yeah. Max and I love Max can spoil your enthusiasm for the show. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> I look, I'm not going to blame him, but like that was a part of it for sure. And also I just thought that the show was not that good in the, uh, over the last few seasons. And I'm not alone in that ghost Island is, um, you know, an okay season. And certainly the ending yeah. is probably I the best part. I actually enjoyed ghost Island. Yeah, Ghost Island is fun. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't boring it wasn't or painful. The top ten season, but it wasn't no. the bottom ten. It was a middle tier season for me. 
some really cool challenges in Ghost Island. I, I am that person still who views it through that lens. There is a big spools challenge in Ghost Island. Does that ring yeah. a bell? Yeah. yeah. Loved that challenge. Um, and yeah. I believe that was the first time they used matte finish. Matte finish is a final throwing task. It's like land two sandbags on this little pillar. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought you were describing an, a fellow challenge consultant. Yeah. It, finish. I thought you were saying that the spools had been sanded down to have a matte finish. I see now that I was imprecise with my language. All the <laughs> listeners should revise their review down to four stars. Wait, no, 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 no. You get paid by the star. No, 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 no. Please, you just cost us hundreds of stars. <laughs> hundreds of stars. Damn it. Uh, it's, it's when there's overhead, kind of high up, there's two parallel ba- bars. Two parallel bars. And you got to throw a ball up so they come to rest. Oh, yeah, yeah, the- yeah. We yeah. saw that uh, last. We saw that in this episode. Mad this finale. Was in this finale? Well, we saw the ball up on the two parallel bars. Yeah. Uh, right? Was no, that yeah. this episode where they had no. to throw it and come out the other side? That might yeah, be the last. The week. ball was over a high step. It wasn't, it didn't, the ball never came to rest. It was a catch the ball challenge, not a get oh, right. Oh, right, right, right. Challenge. You're talking about the one where it stops on the two bars. Got That's it. right. Okay. Yep, and yep, that yep. was, uh, I loved that. That it's the same, like, or, you know, um, when you have to throw the ring so it lands on the paddle and flips it up. It's just a target game, but it's different because there's finesse. You yeah, can actually, finesse. you can knock a ball out so you can un, undo yeah. yourself by accident. Um, it's great. I love it. And it, it premiered in Ghost Island. So Ghost Island is one of those seasons like Gabon where a lot of really good one-time challenges that I'd like to see again. Um, Were there great oh, yeah. challenges in Island of the Idols that helped to redeem that season? Uh, I do not view Island of the Idols as being a particularly great challenge season, but there could be good challenges in it that I'm not thinking of. Who were like the... And this is a... The, well, okay, we don't need to talk about Island of the Idols, but uh, so okay, I, uh, I was like, who are the sta- uh, like who were the standout? Who were the challenge who, who got loud that season? Yeah, of Island of the Idols, uh, Missy. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There was an Australian endurance challenge I liked where they swung a pendulum around and it had to, it couldn't clang. But anyway, uh, Chris Noble, Chris Noble in Ghost Island, he threw balls in a spin down challenge in a way that was like really heroic. Now, um, am I alone that I want to see Chris Noble again? I want to see draft him on a, Chris Noble second for chances uh, season. Yeah, in like season forty six, bring back people who have played the game once and include yes. Chris Noble. Yes, I want. I like him another second. I'm in the mood for another second chances. That sounds fun. After at a bunch point, of new seasons, yeah. At this point, I want. I would love all returnees forever or most <laughs> seasons because they're just the best seasons now. Holy like, mackerel! This all winter season, it was as good as we had hoped that it would be. The it was level yes, of gameplay was just so high. Like, the only complaints I could possibly be have would be like totally manufactured, like nitpicky bullshit complaints, you know, like it was truly a top five season in my mind. Like we were really? absolutely top blessed. Top I think five, so. Yeah. Maybe. You can't yeah, say, so. yeah, you can find nitpicky bullshit, but edge of extinction is not Before nitpicky bullshit. Finale, edge of extinction. Uh, go ahead. It's the elephant in the room and it's a blemish yeah. on the season, but it's still, it is. it's still, Super good. It triumphed over. I mean, to me, Ding. the Outcast Tribe is a blemish. Blemish. On Pearl Islands. True. Pearl Islands is, in hindsight, one of the best yeah. seasons ever. I don't know if this one's a top five for me or not, but after that finale, I think it. You know, 
that elevated the whole season, which was already yes. a great season. Yeah. Um, so much of a, of my opinion of a season uh, relies on the winner being yeah. someone that whose game I respected. And, and so this, I mean, it could not have gone any better for that reason alone. I would have been happy with a Sarah win as well. Uh, I don't think I would have been a very happy with a Michelle, and I certainly would have been very unhappy with a Natalie win, although I would have taken some solace from the fact that it would have killed Edge of Extinction forever good. I mean, I'm a huge heart. Natalie fan, as you know, as I've expressed many times. And I was rooting for either her or Nick to get back in. And the reason it, I was rooting for Nick is because he was the last one out. It would be the least just, damage to the integrity. The, exactly. The least damage. Yeah. And they would probably just flush him out right away. But um, I was rooting for Natalie to come back. And I'm happy she did that she's not just the first boot. But... I was so the whole time tense. I did not want her to win. Interesting. I did not want an Edge of Extinction, anyone from Edge of yep. Extinction to win. Yeah. For so many billion reasons, but as, you know, that I've expressed before, but it's specifically for this finale, it was like, you're telling me that Tony could do the masterwork that he's done all season long. Yes. And it can be undone because yes. Natalie came back at the last minute with full knowledge of what the jury was thinking mm -hmm. and shared it with everybody and with an idol yeah. and you know, yeah. somehow I was like, something's going to happen and like, it's going to be Ben versus Tony and fire or whatever it is that wouldn't mm -hmm. have otherwise happened. Thank goodness. None of Well, that I have to say, happened. I think it's very possible that we have Natalie to blame for it, not how, or, Natalie to credit for it not happening. I think it was her game to lose, not just if she put herself up to make fire against Tony, which mm -hmm. would have would have helped, right? But also all accounts of what we're hearing post game and also was sort of hinted at in the final tribal is that Natalie alienated many people on Edge of Extinction. That was a shocker. Uh, so shocking to me. And and it's uh and I think it did cost her the win. Well, her social, uh, she acknowledged her social game is not the strongest part of what she did. Um, but Edge of Extinction is not hard to have a good social game. <laughs> right? Never, There's no stakes. You don't know. We've never been there. <gasps> yeah, that's great. No, I don't know. So, Ryan, I've listened to your podcast this season. And, like, I don't know if you remember this far back, but in the opener, you're like, now that I've played Backyard Survivors, I understand Survivor so much more. And how, and you, you spoke really intelligently on how there's the, and okay, there's the two dimensionalizing of people and the way that they are characters. And, mm -hmm. and, um, but you also say, I understand what the players are like some more. And so now you, from having played Survivor over the course of sometimes as many as, you know, two or three days with very little sleeping, you can say, Edge of Extinction isn't hard. You just be social no, to no, everyone. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying Edge of Extinction isn't hard. Edge of Extinction is very, very hard. What I'm saying is you... Uh, it's much easier to make friends on Edge of Extinction than it is in the game itself because there's uh -huh. no chance for you to make enemies. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like you have to actually blow it to make enemies on Edge of Extinction because there's no stakes. Chris Underwood made enemy of Reem and he still got her vote. Yeah, but she Reem 
they weren't really enemies. They were like, you know, they were, yeah, they locked horns. Look, uh, this is great. I'm glad that we can have a diversity of opinions on the finale and still That's be the friends. Point. We'll model it um, <laughs> because I would have been overjoyed if Natalie had won. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. Let's hear why. I, I'm. I want to hear why. This is great. Uh, there's a. There's a number of reasons. Okay, great. So let me set the table a little bit. I have uh, been keeping since you guys were so nice and asked me in the before times to guest on your finale episode. I've been keeping notes of like things I want to cover when we get onto the show. Love it. And oh, I'm, wow. I'm referring back to my little index here. It's actually you are not more little. prepared than we ever are. So this Scott, is Scott, you shouldn't be too surprised. Miles does this every time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I should, but Scott, you, we, we have complementary skills. You just drift in like a wonderful breeze <laughs> and add your comments and perspectives to the conversation. Ryan does all the work and I show up <laughs> as the guest on the final episode. We're all I, good at what we do. I really feel like I've got the best position in this. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Sounds like it based on Miles' descriptions. <laughs> I mean, where's <laughs> no the line? I call me no line. work on booking guests. That's true. true. That's okay. True. That's true. Right. Yeah, fact okay. check. Yeah, tell and it that. is not. It, that's the that is the most annoying part of having this uh, podcast. Yes, I think. Is dealing with people like Miles Knight. Putting up with people, (laughs) unpleasant people. Divas who who reschedule this podcast four times. No, I'm kidding. No, I was like, like, it's nice of you to not Mike Bloom me and actually show up to our podcast. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Are you only having guests on with sons named Asher? Is that the best way to? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just got a frisson. Like if Mike listens to this, what's up, Mike Bloom and your son, Asher. So here's one of the items on my list. No no love for PG's son, Asher. (laughs) I'm confused. PG and Max. Because you said all of our guests have PG and and his name is Asher. I guess that does break. It's not a, it's not a sequence. Yeah, I was wrong. There's no pattern there. Um, PG has a son named Asher. Oh, I was, you took me by surprise. A cat? Okay, so I want to tell you guys a joke. And this is an interesting joke. You both work in comedy. And, um, and this show is ostensibly humorous. Sure. And I think this is a good joke for comedians because it's a joke about jokes. And it's the only joke I can think of that has a number of different punchlines. And it's probably familiar mm. to you. But guy walks into a bar and uh, he's drinking a beer and then somebody yells out, number 17! And everybody in the bar cracks up laughing. And this guy goes, what's the deal? And the bartender says, ah, we tell the same jokes and the same stories over and over again. And we eventually were like, it'll be a lot shorter if we just write them down and assign a number to them. So you don't even have to tell the joke. You just call out the number. And the guy goes, really? Can I see the list? And the bartender's like, yeah, I think I got it around here somewhere. He takes out an old list and he shows it to the guy. And the guy looks at it and he goes, oh, okay, um, all right, uh, three. Uh, and nobody laughs. And he's like, three? And the bartender says, don't take it too hard, buddy. Some people just can't tell a joke. <laughs> That's good. But the other version of the punchline is the guy goes, three. And a guy falls off his bar stool laughing, red in the face, side splitting, rolling around on the floor. And the guy who said three, the new guy goes, what's up with him? And the bartender goes, oh, I guess he hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> I like that version better, actually. And the other it's punch- like more surprising. But the other punchline is the guy says three, and the bartender says, "Oh, we don't tell that one, sir." <laughs> so yeah, okay, that's good. Rule of okay. threes. Yeah, those are all yeah. the punchlines. So there are some things that you get heard said on a podcast so much that I feel like you can almost just go ah, seventeen. 
right? Like <laughs> yep, when yep, you contextualize yep. a player's behavior and you go, well, you know, they're not eating, they're not sleeping. Yeah, right, yep. They're pointing out, it's like, oh my God, yeah, 17, I get it. We all know that. We listen to Survivor podcasts. Or when somebody's like, well, you know, we're only seeing 42 minutes of like, you know, <laughs> hours and hours of show. I'm like, I know. Number three, move on. Like I've heard that so much, they're tropes. And also I have like a buzzword, which is when a podcaster says this phrase, they say, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. Oh yeah. That means they have run out of things to say. That's like, <laughs> what, you, what you should just say is period, you know, like end of sentence. That's a phrase that is yeah. podcaster code for, I have run out of things to say. I do that all the time. It's fine. It's and just, if all of you heard all of these on snakes, racks and goats. <laughs> that yes. podcast is impeccable. It I never mean, has such lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. And like uh, how, um, on every podcast, someone says Cochran should have, uh, should never have flipped. He should have gone to rocks. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Is that's that a widely number, held? That's a number one, actually. Okay, that's a number one. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Well, yeah, that's, uh, those are some of the ones that's I, uh, like, I that, that's a settled issue. <laughs> We couldn't have our last episode ever and not talk about that. That's right? fan service. That's you fun. heard you heard our episode with Rob, like, right? Miles, mm-hmm. Rob Testernino. Okay. Yes, I did, and it was it was during Island of the Idols. No, no, it was a few no, years no, it was ago. Before that, oh, okay. Before that. But 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 probably that, heroes, healers, hustlers. Maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Settled that dispute for us. And what is this resolution? What did Rob rule? He ruled, Cochran should have flipped. He ruled uh, with me. The real that's all that wrong. matters. That's what. That's all that matters. Yep. <laughs> he should not have gone to rock, so he did the right thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, the reason I brought up like the number seventeen is like I- I'm not sure how much of this is going to be like well covered trope territory, but you know I don't like Edge of Extinction. I don't want it to be there. Um, and so I think the prospect of Natalie uh, being first voted out and winning would be complicated it would be sullying you don't want that to be the outcome of an all-winner season necessarily and Mm -hmm. i can hold that in one hand but you know i think of myself uh, you know being look i you know i'm pretty vain right like i think of myself as being (coughs) hoity-toity and that like i uh have um you know mental fortitude and i used to think that i had mental fortitude uh 64 days of quarantine is uh <laughs> takes adaptation you're just I'm, down to toity now <laughs> yeah i lost the hoity. Actually, hoity i'm very hoity i my back is hoity my knees are hoity uh, <laughs> oh, whoa God. gross whoa. that was a dad joke all my wow. jokes are dad jokes <laughs> wow wow uh and um and yet it's honest though, because my experience of what, so my wife doesn't care for Tony and that's okay. We're just watching TV. You don't have to like Tony. Mm-hmm. She objects to Tony's uh, basic white guyness, which I get. And I kind of, you know, want to um, speak for uh, the feminists in the audience of whom I consider myself one. And we're okay. I know we got to go ahead. We can talk about politics and we can shit on uh, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. Who we, are got the go ahead. we got the go-ahead. Mm-hmm. My, my wife went to Wellesley. We're big Hillary Clinton supporters in this family and have That's been for a line. long time. That's right, yeah. And uh, um the way in which Survivor and Survivor is fun and light and escapist entertainment, and that's really good. And it does veer into areas that was like, oh, I, you know, we're not watching this thing unsullied, right? Like Dan's unwanted touching it was like the incursion mm-hmm. of 
complicated real world matters into the show that we enjoy. Um, and the fire making makes it harder for women to win. And, you know, they're always changing things that make it harder for women to win. And from a yeah. social justice perspective, I would have liked Natalie to be the winner. And when I say I think that I'm hoity-toity, I can hold in one hand that I would have liked Natalie to be the winner. And I can hold in one hand that somebody shouldn't come back from the edge to win. Because Except that, you want a woman to be the winner or a woman of yeah, color? Yeah. Well, then you had Michelle, not, too. Yeah, who played yeah. 39 yeah. days. Yeah, why not Michelle? Why not Michelle? Why not Michelle? That would have been great. And I would well, I you had, didn't hear me say I was desperately rooting against Michelle. I love Natalie and I wanted yeah. a woman to win this season, but I yeah. truly believe and I think Sarah played an amazing game, but I yeah. truly believe Tony's game this season was extraordinary. Yes, elevated. And that's good. So I think the way I feel right now in this moment because like uh, you know, <laughs> Laurel, one of the, Laurel and I have a really good relationship and we communicate really well. And one of the um, things that we're getting better at is not yucking another person's yum. Actually, we really don't do that like at all, except I had a tough time co-viewing because she grouses about Tony and I don't begrudge her that. I, I entitled her to it. But <laughs> the, after the finale, uh, I had to tell her that she was shouting and that she was going to wake up the kids. <laughs> so I'm, I'm co-viewing with somebody who doesn't enjoy Tony, who in a way, and I don't know if she would dispute this, but it's almost like hate watching Tony's victory. And it's just like my co-viewer. But just but, my question, what is more white guy about Tony than Tyson or Rob or Ben or any of the other white guys? Actually, I would just, uh, it's more that like I, I, the way I am feeling right now, because I like my wife and I are not the same person. It's just, it's an interesting co-viewing experience. I have trouble to have that. telling you two apart. <laughs> I'm the one with the beard and I'm tall. Oh, yeah. She's it should pretty, be. She's the pretty and smart one. You're crystal the, clear. You're I'm the podcast guest. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Um, okay. I, the way I am right now is I would have been happier if Nora had won against Tommy. And I would have been happier if um, uh, Chrissy had won against Ben. Oh, because yeah, then we I all would less. have been happier if Chrissy went against Ben. Just, then I would have an unsullied view, but uh, I am overjoyed. So I, I would have been overjoyed if Natalie had won. I am overjoyed that Tony won because Tony played a genre-defining game of Survivor, taught a master class, and uh, it was super dope and awesome. So I don't think that we're super far apart in some ways, but I would have been really quite satisfied if Natalie had won because Chrissy didn't win because Nora didn't win and, and mm. so on. Hmm. Can you imagine, you, can you imagine Chrissy just telling Sarah, go ahead and vote me out. It's okay. You can, you can just vote me out. That's like, a great place to start. Cause Ben doing that in the finale, sometimes a thing will happen in the finale, like a uh, Devin casting a vote against Dr. Mike. That is a major, like a safety security vote. It's a major right. move, but because it happens in the finale, it doesn't get de debriefed a whole lot. But Ben talking to Sarah at the final five is a great place to start. What was up with that? Dude, it was it was so infuriating. Oh. I mean, and, and I hate Ben. Like I didn't want Ben to be there. I was I was happy to see him get voted out. Yeah. But like, dude. I, I mean, maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Maybe smart. I give him credit for, but, and he saw the writing on the wall. He's like, Oh, I'm going to be a zero vote finalist. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to win anyways. Right. Let me absolve you, Sarah, of the baggage of having to turn on me um, at some point. Right. But he could have gone to the end with her mm -hmm. very easily. Mm -hmm. Like 
he was set to be final three, almost guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And they would have gotten Michelle out because Natalie played the idol on herself. Mm -hmm. You know, like he would have been final three guaranteed and he would have been someone who could get Tony out. Like it was absolutely, first of all, it was a terrible play on his part and it was a terrible play on Sarah's part too. Mm. She needed him to beat Tony at fire. That I agree with. That's a really good point. Good for you, Ryan. (laughs) I'm, I'm many seasons, but you had a good point. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I bring to this podcast. It's just, Good points galore. And Scott, um, you're frequently the consumer of the post-show content. Do you have yes. any? What do you pass things along to us? Well, I mean, I think actually, surprisingly, he, from what I gather from the post-show content that I have consumed so far, and I have not had enough time to consume all of it because my children are home. That's twenty-four hours a day. That's yeah, there's the literally not enough hours have passed since the. There's That's more content that has been made <laughs> than hours had that have passed since the finale. There's yeah. a lot, but um, Ben basically did see the writing on the wall. He felt that he there was no way for him to win, and he seemed to. It, it's basically what he said that he somehow you know he didn't always like who he was after the you know from the first season and he he came in wanting to make relationships and excuse me that was the most important thing to him and that's really what it boiled down to is he he stopped caring about the game and he stopped well, I'm I think not that... saying I like it but he, yeah. he I think he really did see that he could make it to the end, but that he would not win. Mm-hmm. And so he felt like, well, what's the point of that? And then, you know, and he was asked, well, but you could have made more money by going to the end. And he was like, yeah, well, that's just wasn't important to me. Well, I think so, this, this clinches Ben's status as not a good survivor player or mm-hmm. it vindicates Ryan's perspective. Well, you know, it's very interesting because I, I, generally agree but there is some i mean uh, he did make it that far and he would have made it into the final three so there's something there you know yeah. he was you know able what? He, to you do know, it I, without without a ton of idols and everything he 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 got himself into the right alliance and i think tony and sarah were right to have him because he would have been you know their warrior at fire making um and potentially for sarah then he could have knocked Tony out at the end and Sarah could have won. Yeah. But, go ahead. What about Keith, Keith Nail? That was, I was going to say, Keith I said Nail. this while I was yeah. watching it. The best comparison I have for Ben is Keith Nail. If fire making Keith- had been a thing when Keith Nail played, Keith Nail could be a survivor winner. It wouldn't make him a good yep. player. If Keith uh, Nail exactly. found idols as often as Ben found them, Keith Nail could be a survivor winner. It wouldn't make him a good survivor. I'm player. just saying there's, there's Keith Nail's social there. game is off the charts though, and Ben's is awful. But um, I, I mean, I think there is a comparison there. He's not a good Keith Nail is not a good survivor player. He's strategically inept, right? Like, I love the guy. I love him on my TV. He's amazing, funny, charismatic, and his social game is great. He made it very far both times he played, and I think every time he plays, he probably is in the final six or something. Um, but yeah, he's doesn't mean he's good at survivor. Just like Ben, Ben's not good at survivor no, just because he mean, made it. Far. I was thinking of you during this part, Ryan. I was like, 
Ryan is probably simultaneously <laughs> thrilled that Ben is leaving, yes. but but like further angry that Ben was allowed to play. Is Ben like Ian Rosenberger now? Ian is a better player. Ian was just young. And, I mean, <laughs> Ian did the same thing, right? In a but manner, essentially. A, essentially yeah. the same thing. I mean, he did yeah. it in the middle of the final challenge. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my argument, is this is like, this is a little bit like Ian doing that. But Ian I, was I also a wanna... way savvier player, a way better player, but he was young and he got guilted, and that was a 12-hour challenge, and at a certain point, yeah. his mind broke. So I don't think it was exactly the same thing. I want to I want to flip the script on this a little bit too and give a ton of credit to Sarah in this moment. Absolutely. I still think by the way totally. uh, I I still think that oh, Sarah Let's call is, her Lucina. Lucina. Yeah, I still yeah. think Lucina is the best modern player of Survivor and I don't think it's close despite Tony winning. I, mean, I hear you. Messy yeah. AF. He's yeah. messy. Yeah. He makes mistakes. He's a Sarah's fire game away is, from losing. Yeah. Well, Sarah's, Sarah's social game is game, almost flawless. Sarah's yeah. social game is amazing, and the fact that she got somebody to quit for her without even trying is great. Is great. It's a testament to her social skills. But in this season, like that, and we can talk about, and I'm sure Laurel, your wife, Miles, loved this discussion as did I about the gender bias. Yes. And that was an, a really necessary discussion but at the same time like you said two things can be true that's right gender bias can be a real thing sarah can be an amazing social and strategic player and and who absolutely deserved to win in her her winning season and who would have deserved to win if she was in the final three against anyone but Tony, in my opinion. Yeah. But at the same time, Tony's game this season was next level. It yeah. was extraordinary. Yeah. It was complete. And it was pretty close to flawless. That being said, yeah. there is luck in everybody's game. Yeah. There is luck that Tony was put on the right tribe. He was put on a tribe with Sarah. And Sandra, yeah. not with Boston Rob. Yeah. Who, you know, my theory is that anybody who's on a tribe with Boston Rob is has a bigger hurdle to climb mm. the way he tries to control the tribe. Yeah. Um, you know, there were obviously uh, Sandra, you know, self-destructed accidentally, and Tony probably would have been the one to go at that time. So right. there was luck. Because, involved. Wait, yeah, let's, let's stop there because that involves... That that's that is a big weakness in Tony's game, which he didn't even know about, and it's okay. But especially because it involves Denise, and I want to make sure we don't get too far into the podcast. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about Denise because the show sure that. didn't want to. Yeah, uh, she but was so I under the radar. I have a theory, by the way, about this Sandra thing. Yeah, with Tony. I think Sandra was like Doctor Strange and she saw all 15 million permutations of the game at once and <laughs> saw that the only way that there would be another there wouldn't be another queen in Sarah was for her to throw herself <laughs> away at this moment so Tony could continue. She's <laughs> so it. happy that she's still the queen. Ah <laughs> yeah, and that she's so happy that she could even countenance being you know, on the throne side by side with Tony. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was, she, she had to Tony. lose to win at the end, like, just like Dr. Strange, right? So the queen Sandra, queen. Sandra has an idol. Um, 
that yeah. and Denise has an idol and uh, it's five people going to tribal council and um, so Jeremy and Kim and Tony are all going to vote for Sandra. Who's no, it was, they were talking about voting out. Oh, no, because it should have been Sandra and yeah, it should have been Sandra and Tony and Kim voting together against Denise. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first level of the plan of this tribal council, right? And. Jeremy and Denise are trying to win over Kim and we, the viewers thought that they were being successful, but the way the votes went is that there were, uh, uh, all votes against Denise and Denise played her idol and she had the one vote against Sandra. Is that correct? One vote. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she could have, who had the most votes, Tony? No, against the nose. It was four votes. Denise, Denise had the most. It was yeah, four yeah. votes. Denise and one vote. Sandra. San- right. So it would have been Denise gone or Tony because Sandra's pitch to Denise was, "We'll all vote for you. You play this idol and write down Tony." Oh, that's right. Sandra wanted Denise to vote out Tony. And if Sandra had not said that to Denise, what? Although Sandra- according to Denise, it was Tony or. Um, it didn't have to be Tony. Mm-hmm. Could have been Sandra Kim. was like, it can even be Tony if you want. But wait, Sandra, did Sandra know? Sandra knew that Denise had an idol or Sandra didn't? No. Okay. No. She gave Denise an idol. She gave Denise an idol. And if she hadn't done that, if she hadn't said anything to Denise at all, then Denise might have still played her idol and voted out Sandra. Right. Right. It might might not have changed anything that she gave her an idol. That's true. Um, yeah. But what it did do is it gave, although it did give Denise the um, confidence because she knew she could also save Jeremy yes. to, to vote out. She knew I'm going to get to vote out whoever I want mm-hmm. because me and Jeremy are the targets mm-hmm. no matter what. So I have complete control over this. So, yeah. So then, um, I mean, that's uh, has something to do with, Tony, like I was going to say, this is a weakness of Tony's game, but I think it isn't. I think it's a strength no. that Denise didn't want to vote out Tony. Denise wanted yep. to vote out Sandra, and I think uh, Tony should get some credit for that. Right. And, well, but and another Denise, just mm-hmm. item of luck. I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Is that Tony? Also, why didn't she want to vote out Tony? Is it partly due to their his social game, but it's also partly due to his perceived threat level. And right. his stint in Game Changers obviously yep. lowered his threat profile yep. a thousandfold. Yep. It's so insane how high his threat profile was. It was like he had circled around all the way back to being not like your yes. threat. Pro- it, it's like the old Dr. Will adage, you know, I'm going to make myself a target so big that you can't see, you can't <laughs> see where the center of me is mm. to hit, you know, like he got so big and so threatening that he no longer was threatening because everybody knew he was no longer a threat. The, the, which is just insane. You know, <laughs> Sandra has a, phrase that goes along with her gameplay right so long as it ain't me and like maybe tony's phrase should be for this season don't be tony until about episode seven and then be tony and that was all it took 
Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, well, you know, I rewatched the beginning of the season premiere. Okay, talk about that right before the finale, because I just I was like, I want to see what all these people's that are still in the game, what their confessionals were at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Tony had the first confessional. Wow. <laughs> by the way. And one of his early confessionals, not his very first, his first one was more like, you know, this is the Super Bowl of Survivor kind of a, but it was, one of his was when he said, you know, that he, it was during the part where they were showing him saying he was on probation and he just had to like hang out and stay at the, you know, like, yeah. hey, you, I'm on probation. I can't leave the camp. Yeah. And then in his confessional, he said, you know, I have to play it down. I have to, I can't go running off looking for idols. He's like, because right now, and he put his arms in front of his head. Remember, their guards are up here. Their guards are up. And I'm just going to get them to lower and lower and lower and lower. And once they're down, that's when the sucker punch comes. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> watching down, that the first oh, time and yeah. thinking like, oh, God, Tony, don't don't go for the sucker punch. So, you know, <laughs> don't go crazy. And yet, like, that's exactly what happened. And but a little just from the exit press that's interesting is that if you'll notice, Tony's sort of coming out episode was the family visit, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And after that is when he won his first immunity and things started going insane in a great way. And what's interesting is he said that in his when during the first part of the game, he was haunted by saying goodbye to his family and the way Mm. one of his children was crying and was Mm. inconsolable Mm. at the airport. And he said it haunted him. And then when the whole family came, the the whole family visit, and he said the same kid, I think it was his daughter, he said was like telling him how much fun she was having at home, Mm -hmm. mommy and all the things they're doing. He said it freed him. And that's so that's interesting. I love that. Isn't yeah. that amazing? And that's when Tony just went into full bloom. He sure did. Holy cow. He had the, I mean, right out, he, soon after that, he had the single greatest episode any player has ever had yeah. on, on Survivor. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I get chills. Can we even like, can, is, is Tony's CV from this season? Is it more than 10 bullet points? I mean, we don't have to give each individual immunity its own bullet point, but he has four of those. Yeah. One found necklace. Incredible. What? Yeah, he one found hidden immunity idol is what you mean. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He he had a three, two, one, was it? Yeah, that goes up. Four, three, two. Four, Four, three, three, two. two. He had a. um, And a four, three, two. To take out Sophie, who yeah. had a great season. I yeah. was like mm-hmm. a lot of people who, when she described herself as a second-tier winner, I was like, what are you talking about? Sophie is great, yeah. and... I thought she was going to win the season. She was on track to win the season, and she should have, but Tony was a buzzsaw, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. she was performing so well. You, you guys want to hear an interesting uh, little edgic-related theory I heard about? Do you remember when we talked about Tony versus Yule with uh, their methods for getting the coconuts out of the tree? Yes. Yeah. And how we thought at the time that seemed like, oh, Yule is cool, calm, and collected. He was more successful. He did it in an elegant way. This means Yule's going to win, right? Tony, there's no way Tony's going to win. He's too wild and crazy, right? 
But some people apparently had been pointing out, yes, but Tony got two coconut or two f- breadfruit down, and Yule only got one. Two Ooh. million dollars versus Yule's one million dollars. Oh, right. um, <laughs> if it's intentional, it's amazing. If it's not, it's still amazing too. There you go. But it's a funny little uh, a funny little in retrospect theory that makes sense now that you know the winner. Well, and it was uh, such a great metaphor for his for his win. And yeah. it was, yeah. he, he built this rickety thing, this crazy yeah. thing that nobody thought he could climb to the top, but he yeah. did. Climb yes. To the and, top. and at the end of the day, his rickety crazy ass thing was an absolute delight to the other players. They loved it. Yeah, they did yeah. love it. He made it not so boring. I mean, he was doing a one man show at his final tribal camp. I know. I go, I when I was watching with some people over Zoom and I'm like, this is a bloodbath. Like <laughs> everything Tony says, they're laughing at. Like, how do you beat that? Yeah. They they, you know they, I mean? they applauded when he won the fire challenge. Yeah, that was a bad right. Thing. Yeah, Which the dream is another item on his resume. Yeah. There you go. Won the fire challenge. Yeah. So on the up- fire challenge, yeah. what are we at? Five now? received no votes against him. The yep. entire no votes all season. Yep. Um, he successfully overcame the disadvantage. Yeah. He beat the extortion. How about this? He assisted Lucina with a camp raid. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> sure. I mean, can we, how many, I don't know how much points we can give him for that. No, <laughs> that's, it goes on the CV. It totally goes on the CV. Lucina wanted to do it with someone. Okay, then built a successful ladder goes on the CV. Ah, uh, sure. Bill, well, you know what? That That's more of like a... I think that's a sub-bullet point under built a successful alliance with Sarah Lucina. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. Cops R Us has got to be... Cops R Us is like... That was an ironclad alliance. They're like the chill town of Survivor We're now, like right? Like Thomas Survivor fans, yeah. I'd say. That Tony, the Cops R Us Alliance, the Tony Sarah story has got to be one of the, if not the greatest multi-season arc. It's so good. It's like Sam and Diane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked myself up. It ended, more, with, it ended in a more satisfying way. <laughs> well, Scott. I, I do remember my favorite episode of Cheers is when Sam had to make fire against Diane. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I didn't think he could do it. It would be like watching Sundra and Becky make fire. (laughs) They could not do it. Sam and Diane stand to make fire. Diane (laughs) was in Troop Beverly Hills, but she couldn't make fire in that either. Oh, good point. (laughs) Oh, man. So uh, Laurel and I concluded a Sears. Hello, welcome to Sears, Racks, and Goats. Cheers. We did a Cheers Mm -hmm. series watch through. Whoa, that's 11 seasons. I know. 22 episodes, at least 22 per season. Was it a half hour show? It was, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, at least there's that. A 90 minute show. Years. Years. It's been more than three years we've been watching Cheers. It's it's, it's one of the best of all time. I can confirm this. Well, it has the best theme song maybe ever. We never skipped it on Netflix. We played it through every time. Oh, yeah, it's, it's that a, good. It's fantastic. I cannot say the same for Deep Space Nine, the other show I'm watching. Sorry, yeah. I've veered. I've drifted like an asteroid in the direction. No, I love the Deep Space, Space Nine, Nine theme the song. opening credits. Uh, drifted been, from Survivor <laughs> into completely well, other if shows. Anybody cares about sitcoms? I will say, the cold open, or actually wasn't the cold open. The first scene of Cheers, where Sam and Diane meet, is like perfection because it it so clearly delineates 
who each character is. Mm. And it's hilarious. And this, uh, agree. Check it out. Hard agree. Cheers is worth, anyway, uh, Cheers is as good as everybody says it is. And it's finishable, <laughs> which you can't say about The Simpsons. Um, well, The Simpsons is not finishable yet. Yeah. That's, that, and that's a knock on it. Right. Um, okay. You don't get that completion. Like, all right, we did it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Cops R Us is on the bullet, is on the CV. And um, let's, how about Killed a Shark? That like that that <laughs> moment that moment. Well, that's you know Sandra really caught the shark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I he mean, killed it. Was it. A, it was a great yeah. moment. It was an amazing moment when yeah. he was running around amazing. with that shark. Um, how about uh, uh, convinced Yule that he's not an asshole? <laughs> you know, boy, the Yule and to- oh, I am excited for a season rewatch and I haven't rewatched any seasons in the thirties and probably not in the twenties, but because there isn't going to be survivor for a while. And because my podcast listening time dropped to almost zero because podcast (laughs) listening time is time to myself. And there isn't time right. to myself. Totally. Same. I barely, yes. I, uh, I don't have kids and I really still want struggle to, to keep up with podcasts. It's a golden yeah. age of podcasts and I have only barely skimmed the surface. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, so I can go back, I can watch an episode, I can watch Winners at War season one and then listen to all the podcasts and then yeah. listen to, watch episode two. And I'll know that Tony won, but I won't know like, what Earl had to say. Yeah, or, man, um, I, I, I feel so Earl bad I didn't listen to that Earl interview. But you still I'm the only it. one of the three of us who was loyal enough to Earl to listen to his <laughs> podcast on our half. What's the best nugget? What's the best takeaway from the Earl interview? The interview Earl. I'm workshopping it. You know, it actually wasn't that groundbreaking. I mean, he he still watches Survivor. He loves Survivor. He. He had every instinct he had about, you know, assessing the cast was spot on. And, um, you know, he's awesome. And he he would play again, but it just doesn't work out. Timing doesn't work out. Did he have I think he would have done a great job by the way this season. I'm sure he would have done a great job. But he might have gone out in the old school alliance. He might have. Yeah. I mean, but he a lot of his reasons for never coming back have to do with the time of year that Survivor shoots. Mm. He's like, if they would go back to what the way it was when I did it, because I did it like in November, December, oh. he's like, that's the, a really good time for me to go. <laughs> interesting, interesting. <laughs> Just with the whatever business he does, that's his. That's a good time for him. To season be away. 50. Earl's got his shot on season 50. Oh, man. I feel like the, the train has left the station. I do, that's too. I'm concerned. Like- with this, like, is Tony the greatest of all time? Like, that is a discussion we'll be having for many years. And whatever you think of it, the thing is, it's it's so situational. Yes. It's like someone like yeah. Earl, who's never come back. Some people have never been asked back. Some people, you know, it's it's so hard to know, like, who would come back and fall on their face? Who would come back and be a hero? Yeah. You know, if Tony wasn't able to come back for this season... What would his legacy be? Well, if Tony hadn't been able to come back for Game Changers, but did come back for this one, I think he would have been toast. Yeah. Really good point. Very situational. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So, okay, we did a good job on Tony CV. Let's let's check in on Denise because she was my preseason winner pick. Same, all three of us really. Right. Scott right. only didn't pick her because I picked her first. <laughs> and she, you know, she made the finale. It took three idols to get her out of the game. Um, I think Denise was great. fourth place. If if uh, there was no edge of extinction happening, I feel like Denise most likely would have been gone in fourth place. That like it would have been Denise versus Ben in fire. So okay, you're saying that if Natalie and Michelle had put their two votes on Sarah, and so Natalie plays her idol on her at the final six, Natalie no, plays her idol on herself. Edge of extinction wasn't a fact. If edge of extinction wasn't, if edge of extinction didn't exist. Okay, if so it was just if we just went into the final five with mm-hmm. Pops R Us plus Ben and Denise and Michelle. Okay. So, I mean... Yeah, I, she would definitely seem to be fourth on the totem pole in those five people. But, uh, you know, the temptation to bring her to the end may have been great just because between Tony... I think, you know, Sarah is really... Sarah and Tony were both very lucky that they didn't have to turn on each other. Um, yes. Oh, I, here's a question about Lucina's fire. Scott, do you, do either of you have the stats on this? Is there a losing seat in the fire making challenge? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the stats. I just remember it was a thing in ghost Island. And it was a thing in Island of the idols. I was on a zoom with some survivors, which I can talk about. Let me add that to my list. And, um, Hi-yo. Lauren Ashley, no, I'm, I'm actually doing it um because i'll forget uh i have upn sitcom on here i want you to pitch me uh smart guys all right Um, we'll get to that eventually uh eventually lauren ashley beck great survivor player i loved her on island of the idols right lauren and tommy were side by side and she said that there's a loser seat in the fire challenge and she said that it was hella windy where she was at so i'm curious if there's a loser (laughs) seat wind they're like two feet apart I mean, I wouldn't dare. Well, uh, I thought it was a curse, like a psychological, like, that's the bad luck seat. And I think that it's the seat on stage left. On stage left? Because Tony was on stage left, I'm pretty oh, sure. Wait, it's stage like, left. The, I'm talking about the left side of the screen. Lucina, that's audience left. Lucina okay. was on the left Even side. I of was in theater for many years, and I always got confused when they would go, <laughs> stage left, and I'd be like, yes. And it's then really I would like, not that hard, Scott. It. <laughs> I, ah, God, you're putting me in a rough position because I got a side with Ryan on this. <laughs> I believe you. I'm not saying, look, I, we're both on the same side. For, stage it, left. It, it took probably until adulthood, well into adulthood, that I was even able to tell you left from right without reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm. The, the Pledge of Allegiance is what did it for you. That's because great. I would put your right hand over your heart. So I'd go, yeah. okay, okay. so that's the right. <laughs> you found a tool that works for you. Good for you. Well, I have a very conspicuous mole on my left hand. So for a very long time, I just it. had to check for that mole to see which hand was the left and which hand was the right. I now see the level of intellect I'm dealing with here. Yes. yes exactly. uh, welcome to snorks, warts, and gourds. Um, <laughs> so I think oh, that is, at is least Lork? in Ghost Island, the idea was that the seat on the left side of the screen is the unlucky seat. Yes. Yes. And uh, is that where Sarah was? Yes. Yes. Well, there you go. I'm sorry. Is that where Lucina was? And Devons and Underwood were in the voting booth 
which I feel like should be a sign that you shouldn't do fire building. <laughs> like if you right. don't absolutely have to, because the thing that I think a lot of people forget about adding the fire twist, which I hate still and want yeah, gone. Yes, as, it's hateable. And replaced with the we, vote. Um, it's still going to happen. Some final three, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, Miles, uh, I wanted to finish your thought, but I, we should talk about how Sequester handles Final Four, if you're if you're familiar with that. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, just to put to finish that thought is that ties could still happen at four if you did away with the automatic fire making rule, and it'd be two beat. Right, it'll still happen you, sometimes, and the suspense of that would be better. Yada yada. So you said in Sequester, the final the person who gets voted out because I did listen to the podcast, not every episode, mm-hmm. but you said that a person who gets voted out fourth picks who comes in third place. And then, exactly. and then first and second place get voted on by the jury. Is that right? Correct. So you get yes. voted out fourth and you take someone with you. Yeah. You drag them is what it's I called. I like yeah. that. That's great. It's, it's genius. There's so many layers of complex strategy in how you interact with people in, the, in your negotiations for who's going to vote for who in the final four. Okay. You know what else would be great? A final two on Survivor. And, oh, um, yes. I mean, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did Tony become the first person ever to win in a final two and in a final three? No, because Sandra did that. Never mind. Sandra, yeah. Uh, alas. Okay. Um, but Michelle is now the only remaining uh, person who has made it to the finals twice and never been voted out of the game. Is she's yep. the, I believe she's the only multiple season player who has never been voted out. Well, that's right. no, that's not true because there's people who have quit. Oh, right. Jenna Maraska is the only other one. Mike Scoopin. Okay, but she didn't. She made it to 39. Yeah, she made it to 39 both times. Colton. Don't forget the survivor great player, Colton. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. He was not voted out. (laughs) Uh, Very well. Everybody's favorite, Mike Scoopin. Has never been uh, wow, boy, this is a real rogues gallery. <laughs> yeah, yeah Mike Scoopin and Jenna Maraska, very similar. Um, <laughs> well, they both left the game early one season and made it to the end the other season. So that I do think that's cool about Sequester. Okay, what about this? This is a world premiere idea. Okay, so what if there's an advantage you can win in Survivor at the final five or the final four? And uh, and. This is a, a season, I'm now pitching a season where there haven't been very many advantages. Like there was no tribe, there was no idol buried at the initial tribes. Idols get hidden at a tribe swap. And maybe they swap from two to three and there's three idols that enter the game, but not in the first episode or even the second, you know. Mm-hmm. We're cutting, we're not eliminating hidden things, but we're cutting down on them a lot. And then there's a thing you can find or earn or buy for fire tokens in the final five or so, or for, uh, maybe before that, final seven. Where you get to decide if it's a final two or a final three, and no one will know it was Ooh, you. Ooh, that's exciting. I love that idea. That and would be an absolute nobody, logistical nightmare for scheduling the show itself. But and nobody knows what you've chosen? Is that what you said? Nobody knows that it was you who chose. Oh, that it was you. Are you allowed to tell? Yes. Yeah, I love the idea. I just think production-wise, it, it, it's impossible. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, uh, I don't even know how you would make your decision. Like, what? Uh, you could easily look at the what you think the layout of the game is currently and go, "Hmm, can I make it to a final two against someone that's really beatable, or do I need the wiggle room of having it be a final three? I think most people would choose a final three just because your odds are increased. Right. 
Well, then instead of you choose, it could be a you get to know. Like if they tell you that I like it's going to be a final two, which nobody else will see coming. Yeah. Um, I do like it being more unpredictable than it has been since season 28. Agree. Um, And I'm okay with the final three sometimes. I just don't like when it's always a final three, always a fire making. I'm, you know, I'm even okay with a fire making once in a while if they tell them at the beginning of the season Uh. that it's happening. Um, But, but not all the time um, and probably not ever, but you know, uh, it's not, listen, it's, I don't think it's the worst twist they've ever done. That's edge of extinction. Probably you're here, but, but um, you know, it's bad. It's just a production bonus twist. It's not, it's not for the game itself. It's for production. Produce some very compelling content this season. However, and, and it's first season we have Reem. you know, but, but survivor um, legend Reem. survivor legend. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, my biggest, the thing that, that outrages me the most, I think, is you know the the purity of the game that aspect of it really bothers me. But what bothers me the most from a storytelling perspective, oh, it's a, it's is that it, it negates it just invalid. If the person wins, it eva- invalidates what everything you were paying attention yes. to. It sucks. Yep. It's like bringing in a Deus Ex Machina at the end of a show and just being like, everything you watched in this movie didn't matter because another yep. character you know, just came back at the end and killed everybody. <laughs> well, it's like we were just, it's like what we were talking about with uh, the Dallas yeah. thing yeah. where, where it was revealed to be someone's dream the entire season. Oh, right. Yeah. If um, the whole season, it turned out to just be Natalie's dreams. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's, it's messed up. Very uh, happy. I love Natalie. I'm happy for her. I mean, like, you know, her, her, she just went from, first place and 20th place to first place and second place. Yeah. Yeah. She had a great showing at the jury for her. It's just, I, I don't want her to go any higher than second place. So let's talk about, uh, uh, um, we were on Denise. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, Denise had a great season. I I would uh, also compare her to what's that under represented. Underrepresented, I would have liked to have more Denise, to be sure. Or at least one confessional during her boot episode. Mm-hmm. That's well, fair. It was it's only three hours. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes, um, after Natalie came back into the game, we literally heard from no one except for Tony and, and Lucina yeah. at that point. Well, like it, it was like as if it didn't matter to anyone else. Everybody got to speak during Rites of Passage. I mean, the video, the montage where they each sent in some audio of themselves. Yes, they did. Like, Um, we sent them an audio recording device? Like, that's weird. Why didn't they just record on their own devices? Doesn't matter. Not important. They wanted consistency. Yes, exactly. Trust me, it matters. Yes. Otherwise, they're doing it on their laptop. I'm on 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 like their phones or whatever. Crystal clear? Um, It's crystal clear, but listen, (laughs) it's not broadcast quality. Neither is mine, and I have an, uh, like a nice mic. Oh, uh, always bragging about your nice mic. Mike nice mic. Well, this is the first season I've had a nice mic oh, but, for the record. Oh, nice. you're ending uh, in style in a flash. Just in time. Exactly. Um, Just exactly. in time. I, uh, oh, mm-hmm. okay, go ahead. Now, I, I was backtracking way. There was something I wanted to mention that, that I would add to Tony's CV. 
but it's not something Please. that we saw on the show or wasn't even really a part of the show, but I think it's worth noting. Um, Penner, Jonathan Penner, yeah. was interviewed recently, and they were talking about at some point in the season, Yule was like, Yule and Jonathan were like, hey, we've got on, on Twitter or wherever, we've got this T-shirt that we're selling now to raise money for ALS um, research. And it's like caricatures of all 20 players with went from Winners at War and we'll raise money more for that. And they sold a bunch of T-shirts. And in this interview, Penner said, look, I just want to say that was all Tony's idea. Right. And I've never met Tony. Yeah. I think he said this on our half. And he said, I've never met Tony. And Tony just was like, hey, I got a T-shirt guy. He just called out of the blue and said, let's do a T-shirt. I'll put it together. And that Tony wow. and Yule reached out to all the other cast members and got their permission. And uh, I just want to add that to Tony's uh, CV somehow. You are right to do so. And knowing, like, it's one thing that if he had done that and not been the winner, but it's very, uh, you know, humble. And uh, uh, no, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Tony's a surprisingly yeah. humble guy. I mean... Uh, Rob asked him in his exit interview, he was like, you played a flawless game. And Tony was like, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't flawless. He's like, yeah, yeah that's good. I'll show you everything. And he said, you know, there's no way you could say Tony Vlachos and flawless in the same sentence. <laughs> no, I love that self-awareness because I, I absolutely, I, I think Tony is messy, but that's yeah. what's so great about yeah. him. You know, I always said he, he was he shoots, most. He shoots, he scores. Yeah. Yeah. He, I always said he's the most entertaining winner we've ever had yeah. by a by a fairly wide margin, yeah. and so like you know, to have him win again is just so exciting. And it was this, such an exciting win too, and yeah. exciting play. Everything he did, I mean, probably even a even better performance than his first time. Yes, his, no, absolutely. Which we had previously viewed as legendary and un. Uh, repeatable. Yes. Replicable. Yeah. This time Tony went to the end again. Last time Tony went to the end against a certified goat, and he had his <laughs> like an all-time goat. <laughs> I mean, like, like, and he could have had an even bigger goat, probably, if it had, you know, if he had won the final immunity challenge, right? right. But, um, but he snowed that goat into taking him when Wu had a much easier chance against Cass. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and that's amazing in and of itself. This time, Tony had actual competition at the end. He Seriously. had someone who lived with the fucking jury yeah. for 40 days. Like, what? Like, how did he win? In retrospect, it's like, honestly, I don't know how he beat Natalie. Right. It's why. Well, I mean, the stupid fucking fire challenge is part of it. And that Rob's like, hey. It's like that's that's how you would have played Rob. Like and I'd like yeah. Natalie's answer that she wanted to dismantle the alliance that had been her undoing was a great answer. I think Natalie had a great uh tribal council I performance. She could have said it in a more convincing way in a better way. I think she could should have said well, it. Well, I think she like, should have Yeah. Like, go go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I know that's the move that won and for Chris or that's the move that you guys were saying I had to do, but like I knew that if I did that, I wouldn't win the fire challenge. I yeah. wouldn't be sitting here. So I had to do what I needed to do to get myself here. You know, something more. Yeah. I think Natalie kind of knew that she couldn't beat Tony. Yeah. So I think that going to the end, going into the final tribal, I think she had a, a bit of a defeatist 
air about that. Maybe so. How 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 lucky was production that Sarah was like Tony's in his head. He if he had to go now, he wouldn't be able to be. There was Nick a, fire. a great like sound bite. Was, yeah. And Tony seems to be failing at fire. He seemed to only be talking trash on Lucina's fire. We saw I him light that. the husk on fire and then sort of blow it out as like a theatrical performative moment. I'm like, wait, dude, don't blow that out. You have to practice making a structure. Um, like, but I feel yeah. like they do that every season. There's a misdirect mm-hmm. about who's good at making fire in these practice sessions. I think, you know, I agree with that. I think Natalie should have worked on her tight five a little more before the final travel. Like she just didn't make them laugh enough. Well, how about, yeah. How about Natalie could have worked on building fire for 39 days on the edge? of That was some people's perspective. You know, if she knew she wasn't good at it, that was something she should have practiced. Yeah, so, yeah. I think you can catch up to Tony in fire making yeah. skills in 39 days. But also, like, why put yourself in that position? Like, You can make you're... it to the end. You were the first one voted out. You fought back into the game. You haven't been vulnerable the entire time. Why give that up? Yeah, it's such a, I mean, it's such an yeah, insane but move. Is, but as a, let's say as a voter, especially the ones, let's say I didn't bond with her on the jury, obviously, because I didn't. The, I also look at it and go, yeah, but she was never not immune yeah. at any tribal council except the first one yeah. and where she got voted out. And that's totally fair. And that's I a want, good what I value is I want to see people who can get through tribal councils without being immune. Like Michelle. I mean, look, this is why I hate Ben as a winner and why I actually don't really respect Mike Holloway's win either, even though I know a lot of people do. And certainly at least challenges have been a part of the game since the beginning. Yeah, It was always an option to win every challenge, even in season one. Right. Um, But, but uh, yeah, like if you are not vulnerable uh, especially at the final seven and beyond, like I'm not interested in seeing if you can win or not because that's just not who cares. And Tony, was. Yeah. And Tony never got a, I mean, he won immunity four times, but he didn't win it the other times and nobody voted. Yeah. Sarah was the same way. Know, like they did know he had an idol after a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great move. Yeah. Also. It was a great move. Oh yeah. Well, the way in which Tony knew who everybody's advantages were. I had an idea for an advantage to hide in the game that I pitched that's called the receipts. And when you play it, you will receive a full and truthful inventory of who has what. Ooh, I love that. That's cool. That's so powerful, right? Yeah. Then you have all this information that could might otherwise be secret. And then people can make fake receipts later. Oh, sure. I mean, this is fun. Why not? This is fun as hell. I love this idea. Or you could play it and they could be like, actually, nobody has one, right? Yeah. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. And then what you play is the receipts nullifier, where when somebody plays the receipts, you get to write what's on the parchment that they receive. So oh, now idol, we're talking. <laughs> this is all great. This is all great. Yeah. Yeah. This will make the show unwatchable. Um, I, I, man, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, there's yeah, still go tons around of the stuff we didn't cover here. Speaking of um, your pitches, I want to know, uh, Miles, did, were there any challenges that you had a hand in this season? So you might have noticed that these were all-star challenges. Yes, but so, those you've you've uh contributed to many in the past yeah i didn't see anything in this season that uh had my hands on it no wonder why they all suck that's it why did we even have you on as a guest i mean seriously uh well because i wanted to break your eggs about how you played survivor trojan horse (laughs) yes yes the fundamentally broken twist of survivor trojan enraging 
I, you know what? Of the Survivor games I've played, that was that's probably like number two on my list of games I think about the most, <laughs> like that I ruminate over. When we enter but, the third hour of this podcast, Trojan Horse and the story of the idol that I played are on my list of things to go over. Okay, well, we, we can talk about that. But first, we got to talk about this because Survivor I, I, there's winners two things. War. Yeah, there's two things I want to talk about. First is the spy nest paid off. Uh, we didn't think it would. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's because Sarah directed Natalie to have that conversation. And also because Natalie unintentionally divulged that she had an idol to Sarah. Well, that's so, I will give Sarah the credit there because it was fairly well hidden. That's a really good point. Yeah, well, Lucina's a cop. I think it's both. It was an error, an unforced error, and Lucina was you know on it. That's right. Just like with Michaela and the advantage that she didn't see. That's it right. It was an unforced, it was an error. And, and Lucina, Sarah was on it. It's on really to her credit that she's able to capitalize on uh, other people's errors. You know, I will give Natalie credit. Women. Yeah. I will give Natalie credit in that moment. She copped to it immediately yeah. without any awkwardness. Yeah. And I was actually a little disappointed because one of my favorite things on Survivor is someone, when someone tries to awkwardly hide that they have an idol. Like Australian Survivor has the two greatest moments of awkwardly hiding sort of a tr- idol ever there's one where a woman found an idol in the middle of a challenge and she had to go across the challenge at the end of the challenge to get it and as she's running back it falls out of the back of her shorts and everyone sees oh, it it's the funniest thing i've ever seen in my it was so <laughs> funny and she just picks it up sheepishly and puts it back in her uh, shorts and everybody sees it was so good and so I was like kind of disappointed that Natalie wasn't like, what? No, there's nothing. No. And, you know, why you know? played it like, yeah, I do. And I, and I want to work. Yeah. So what if that didn't happen? So Tony overhears the conversation between Sarah and Natalie and the, Sarah and Tony decide, okay, well, we're going to get Ben and we're going to vote out Natalie because then they don't know that she has an idol and Natalie has just said that she's coming for them. I think, yeah, I think Sarah and Ben and Tony feel much more confident voting for Natalie there. Because she, it's, it doesn't so much have to, it's actually the spy nest isn't the payoff there. It's the, it's the accidental idol. This is like, yeah, I was, well, I was super cringed when Janet showed, Janet the lifeguard showed her oh, idol yeah. to Tommy out in the oh, open. Yeah. I was so upset yeah. about that because I was that so is the, rooting for Janet to win. That's the moment Janet lost the game because yeah, then Dean knew that Tommy. she um, if, if Janet had played it cool and shown it to Tommy later, Dean doesn't see it. And then Dean doesn't get the idol right. nullifier. So that's where Janet lost the game. I think that Natalie's idol in her. Well, she should never have told Tommy because Tommy was telling, would have told Dean there was something yeah. would have, they would have cooked. Oh, you think up. so? Oh yeah. You think Tommy would have told Dean? I consume a lot of post show. I press. see rats. Okay, alas, yeah. Well, then, so, um, yeah. I don't. I think her biggest mistake was was yes, showing it so openly, so Dean saw it and got the nullifier, but also just show letting anybody know. Yeah. But but back to this winners season, of war. Yeah. I want to say that Spinest. What's so interesting about Tony having the Spinest and Sarah knowing about it is. It really put, it's like Sarah, how, how can I say this? Sarah, they can't, it binds them even closer. Yes. yes, Sarah can't be, Sarah can't lie about anything that Tony saw. Exactly. Sure. So Sarah doesn't have the option of going off to that conversation, deciding, do I tell, which parts of this do I tell Tony? Yeah. How do I right. frame this to Tony? 
It's yeah, it's it's insane to me. Like, you know, it's a flaw in Tony's perspective to let Sarah know about it. Right. Because then he can't he can't use that information against her without her knowing. I don't think it's a flaw because he never intended to go to use any information against her. What's it called when two animals and need each other? Like the sucker fish who eats symbiotic. Symbiotic. Lucina and Tony Copsaras is symbiotic. But it was better for Tony because, you know, it put her in that box. It's obviously better for Tony. But I think wouldn't it be even better if he had the option of not of Sarah not knowing? I think it's better for Lucina because she's bonding with those people that she's making secret plans with as well. But that's oh, worse that's for Lucina. Like that's worse for Lucina because he knows then. Well, but Lucina could have said in her, you know, final tribal, like, yeah, he knew he was up there, and but I was the one down on the ground doing all the work while Tony was, yeah. you know, playing in the trees. Yeah, yep, that's so she true. Could have portrayed that um, anyway, but like. It also, it also, she could have, if she wanted to turn on Tony, staged a conversation. She could have said, Tony's going to yeah. be watching this. So, yeah. you know, anything could have happened. But I will say, let's also talk about Lucina's biggest, or most, not, I don't know if biggest, but most shocking flaw yes. of her game. Why were she, were she and Ben, and I've learned from later Exit Press, Denise as well, so convinced, so certain that Natalie does not have an idol or advantage. Mass delusion. Was it it wishful thinking? That's a plausible theory. It was. They really felt that, well, it was partly what what Lucina said that, you know, uh, she she would have told me. Um, But it was also that they had convinced themselves that for the all winter season, there's no way the producers would let that happen. Yeah. There's no way the producers this time were going to let somebody come back with an idol. That's such a credit to Tony. Another, uh, yeah, yeah. So call it that. That. Is a, that was a big moment. Like Tony was so right. Yeah, I was like, wait, Sarah's not going to win, is she? Like that was where the edit really for me became. I mean, it was already kind of obvious that Tony was probably going to win, and everybody had been saying if he makes it to the end, he's going to win. So I knew that was the case. But like editorially and educally speaking. That was like the clearest moment in the whole season, other than the reading of the votes, that Tony was going to win. It's like, oh, all his competition for winning are in the wrong here and he's in the right. Like, they're not showing us this if Sarah wins. What a relief to have that part of the story, that vote, spelled out for us. That was not yeah. the case for many episodes. I'm not exactly sure why Yule got voted out. I think it has to do with right. Nick's preseason alliance with Michelle. But there were multiple episodes where you're like, okay, I guess the vote went that way. There was extinction. There was no time for... Yeah. The Natalie vote, even in episode one, was like, okay. The Denise vote was crystal clear. And I'm so relieved. I mean, how wild. It took them three necklaces to get Denise out on a revote. And it could have been Lucina. Um, Yeah. That that was to me like such a testament to Lucina's incredible social game that she wasn't even discussed in that moment yeah. well, as someone to vote. Exit press goodies. Tony said that he made a fake idol to and gave it to Lucina, and um, somehow they engineered like for that the others saw her possibly having an idol. That's insane. But on the revote, it doesn't matter. She didn't play it. That's true. 
Oh, here's another great Unless one. Unless it was a super Tony. idol. Here's another great one from Tony. You ready for this one? This I'm is ready. something that didn't make the air that he talked about in an interview. He was like, you know, there's talking about his relationship with Nick and everybody. He's like, everybody on Twitter saying Nick played dumb. Nick wasn't dumb. Nick was just scared. You know why? Because I one night I made fake idol. And it didn't really look real, but I woke him up in the middle of the night. So first of all, flashback, he now says that he actually did go out every night, he claims, and made a fire in the woods like he did in the episode every night to look for idols. Wow. So, and it took him 26 days to find one. But he said that he came back one night in the middle of the night woke Nick up from from a deep sleep and said, yo, Nick, look what I found. And he's like, <laughs> it was dark. It was this janky idol that he made, and he just showed it to him really quick. And Nick, he literally said, and he's, he was disoriented. And I said, look, Nick, I got this idol. So now, you know, I got your back. I got that your back, That explains why Nick... And so he's like, wow. so Nick knew... That I had an, thought I had an idol, and he knew I would play it if I thought I was in trouble. And I told him, I'll play it if I'm in trouble, but or maybe I'll play it on you if you're in trouble. I got your back, Nick. Tony, man, how does he do it? How does he have all that energy? Um, how does he did have they, energy? Did they let you have prescription drugs? <laughs> um, if you, like, if Tony has a, I, I honestly think, like, and this might just be me, you know, whatever. I'm not a doctor, but I honestly think Tony has some form of ADHD. And I'm wondering if he is prescribed Adderall or something like that, because how does he have that, that much energy? It's insane. He's just a sucker. Remember, he's a succubus. Survivor right, he's a succubus. everybody's energy. Survivor That's is his said. drug. He gets high off yeah. of playing Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought I had a lot of energy and then I fell asleep, you know, on the second night of he trying to do this. That, shit. You know, he almost never sleeps, he says. And 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 you know, people have I think it was Spencer confirmed that in an interview. He was like, Yeah, yeah. I never saw Tony sleep once the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable yeah and and so i think that a game like survivor favors that because of its design whereas well certainly in modern seasons where they're hiding idols every five seconds yeah this one was on a ghost island or island of the idols like trajectory of introducing a new artifact every week like that was the thing about island of the idols yeah. and ghost island is that every episode it was the opportunity to introduce something new into the show. It was just breakneck and they introduced Chirons and they do them so poorly. The Chirons are not deployed well at all. (laughs) If somebody has things like idols, show us when they're walking into tribal council or do like a title card that just has names on it and the, and the receipts Throw like okay. I don't watch sports. Or a ticker. Put a ticker at the bottom. Yeah, yeah like sports. But or like in, they put um, a bunch of people's faces up and like the numbers next to their faces. Yeah. Like do that, um, and then go into the tribal counts. I don't know. So the Chirons and all the stuff and the name safety without power, which Jeff had to helpfully furnish at tribal council. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I had that one I sent. It was like, you could leave. The one with the bad <laughs> name. Without power. The one with the unmemorable name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one other thing I wish that, and one other benefit of having some sort of like 
every episode crystal clear way of showing who has what is that it doesn't tip that it's going to be used when they go six episodes without mentioning Sophie's idol. And then they're like, I have this Sophie. I had this idol. And you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that idol. Okay. Well, I guess that's Chekhov's idol this episode. Yeah. It it could be deployed differently. Hey, I want to, I want to, okay. We, we have more we can cover. I want to talk about what, what might happen and what should happen and what could happen. When we ditch Edge of Extinction but keep fire tokens and we disentangle those two things and look at the future of Survivor with fire tokens. But I kind of want to pee. Can we put a hold in it and give me yeah, a minute? Okay. Sure. Take my- we'll be right back after these messages. And we're back. Wow. <laughs> just like that. Um, if you're listening at home, there was probably no break. But let me just tell you that was the longest pee. It yes. was probably about a 12 minute pee, and we and heard the whole thing. He took his mic with him. It was like the like uh, like a naked gun, or, or, or <laughs> like the scene, scene in the Jinx. It was like the scene in the Jinx. He was admitting to yeah. murdering people yeah. in, his, in the bathroom. Yeah, I heard. We heard him just like <laughs> I killed them. So <laughs> I killed them all. I killed them all. <laughs> I forgot about that. I even watched that episode. Even the younglings. What? <laughs> but but you also can confirm that you heard me wash my hands. Like I confessed to murder. I mean, we, heard you wash, we heard you wash something. And you sang happy birthday two times. No, I know row, you're so. lying because I hate happy birthday. I only sing. Um, yeah, it is the worst. You know what we sing? Uh, this is a huge digression, but we sing, we sing the um, juicy fruit jingle and it works great. Give us a little of that. No, thanks. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Scott, <laughs> we're I talking sing, briefly. You know what I say? You better get ready. <laughs> coming for you. You better get scrubbed. Oh, my God. I heard a whole interview yeah. with Jeff Probst about the origin of that song. Tell us. He wrote it. Oh, of course no. he did. I mean, I don't think he actually arranged it or he just he was like, he just wrote those lyrics. He was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a song that was like, yeah, man, I get ready. They're coming. Boy, and the I answer to that question is, it happen. no, wouldn't it no, be good? No, it wouldn't be great. Well, you saw that they they bailed on it. They yep. really did, yeah. That was. It's why, like, I wonder why. Like, maybe Jeff, like, saw a bunch of complaining and was like, I okay, it's because the, the, well, Yeah, it wasn't great. People didn't like it. It wasn't great. Okay, like what? So, Survivor's yeah. a chestnut. It doesn't need a new song. It doesn't need no. the edge of extinction. You just even keep... the even the like dance music when Sarah was doing the fashion show and the way they edited that was like a little bit too experimental for my taste. I like that. That was entertaining. <laughs> it I was didn't... fun, but it was just like I, I like Survivor to be Survivor, you know? Yeah, well. I mean, yeah, Jeff's on the record being like, Oh, trust us. If we did the same thing every season, you'd get bored. Try us. Mm-hmm. Test yeah. that theory. The, the, well, there's, tr- there's some truth to it, but it's we. Like, How do you know? Like when have there been two seasons back to back that are like each other? One and yeah, two. They're, they're, that's it. <laughs> season two had forty two days. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Which was really dumb. Yes, and if it had, had thirty nine, it would have been hour a long season. finale with only three contestants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of whom was Keith. <laughs> Keith Nail. <laughs> no, if it was uh, Keith Nail, I would not be complaining. Yeah, that would have been great. They could have just brought a tuck out and it would have been... How great, great that this one was three hours of content. Generous. So, I mean, with six players, it's like you really... It often feels rushed. This this did not feel rushed. I felt no, like it felt great. The full story for every step of the way, and it was great. I wanted to go back to the beginning real quick and just touch on 
the edge of extinction challenge. And I, I want to say, ask two questions. Number one, did anybody else actually, besides me, and I will freely admit this, tear up in listening to some of the old school players basically bid yeah. farewell? That that was emotional for me. Yeah, it was tough for sure. Um, some of these people, like it was, we were so excited and so delighted to get to see them again and to know like we probably won't see them again. Like Rob, it did feel like a total, the whole season felt like a swan song to yeah. Rob. And what, and I got emotional listening to Rob because he's talking about his family and, yeah. and especially with Ethan talking about how the money he raised from, you know, from stand yeah. cancer, which Survivor did, saved his life. I mean, it's just... But my other yeah. question is, um, do you think that the challenge was truly as exciting as it was made out to be, or did everybody have significant setbacks, but we only saw Natalie's? I mean, that makes sense. You know, I, I saw in an interview with Danny that she said the first comeback challenge was really not like Boston Rob wasn't even close to being oh really uh, to winning and they edited it to look like he was Do we still have miles by the way yeah I'm here I'm listening okay, to what good, you're saying good. I'm, I'm good. I just I, I want that's to make a legitimate sure. question no, I, was need, I didn't know um, because the, the first question you asked about tearing up about the old school survivors is that the truth is I had not successfully gotten my children to bed yet. So we, the, <laughs> the TV was on and there was a lot of talk about diapers. Oh, and so you have a whole different system than I do. I wait until the children are good and asleep. Yeah. And then I wait till Kate and I have eaten dinner if we haven't already. Mm-hmm. And I can sit down on the couch and put all my focus on. So I didn't start the episode until after 10 o'clock. Customarily. Late night for me. Customarily, yeah. we watch it, uh, an episode of Survivor after the kids have gone to bed and after dinner. That's usually closer to 9 o'clock. But I was not willing or able to uh, delay the start watch of the 8 p.m. three-hour show. Right. That partly yeah. has to do with the platform we use to watch and it partly has to do with a couple friends were like, hey, we should sync up watching and be texting with each other. Uh, and so I actually didn't know until about 8 o'clock that I was going to turn on the TV and start watching at 8 o'clock. Um, but I did, you know, there we did get the children out of the room and I did get to hear Ethan's comments. And I heard Robin Amber's as well with other stuff going on. And I didn't tear up, but I look forward to that being part of my Winners at War rewatch. Um, it was clearly, yeah. what I could hear was clearly great. <laughs> But so so you're saying that Danny has said that Rob wasn't close in the first one because the second one, I mean, Natalie experienced every setback you could possibly yeah. imagine. And then <laughs> yeah, it looked like sure. Wendell was about to take it. Uh, you know, I could only hear it. The, the, I watched it on Zoom with a bunch of people and the stream, the person who was like screen sharing the stream. So it's a little complicated, but I couldn't watch my own stream of it because it was still technically live in Minnesota while they were watching the live LA performance. So I couldn't watch a CBS All Access finished stream. So I'm watching it over Zoom with them and I the Zoom is glitching. All I can do is hear it. So I just heard over and over, Natalie, this, Natalie, that. She's way behind. She's way behind. I'm like, oh, I guess Natalie's not winning it the whole time. Yeah. You know, 
on so I'm basically the only one who watched the beginning of the episode. You're the only one who watched the show with any integrity whatsoever. But no, Aubrey had an advantage. She got to practice on that rope tangle and she got hung up there also. So that's a funny coincidence or commonality. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I wonder if everybody got a little hung up there. I don't know. Yeah. It's worth asking. For more than one person. If both Rob and Tyson are operating the maze, then they can cut it and make it look like it's even. But if somebody hasn't made their way out of the rope tangle and somebody else is on to the next part, right. That's harder they to... can't really cut around that. And it did seem like a lot of people caught up to Natalie. And um, yeah, you know, she left a, ro- a fraction of her rope bridge behind. I think only Wendell appeared to be on the maze before Natalie. And he, I mean, I think if he'd left something out of the rope bridge, they would have shown that too. Um, I think that she had a ton of bad breaks in the challenge and a ton of advantages and was very strong. So the results speak for themselves. It was clear for story reasons that Wendell wasn't going to be the one to come back. It it didn't make sense. I was like, well, he can't get the second ball in the maze. And indeed he didn't. It would have been more interesting had it been Natalie F. Tyson had been closer or even Rob had been closer there at the end. I thought maybe there was, I, I, in the moment was like, well, maybe it'll be Wendell. Maybe part of this whole Michelle Wendell thing that we think didn't pay off will pay off Mm, with the two of them sitting next to each other in the final two. And like making out and being like, it was all an act. (laughs) (laughs) Just make out. That would be amazing. Yeah, I would watch that. That sounds hot. (laughs) (laughs) They're two beautiful survivors. They are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay, wow. what do you think about fire tokens? What's the what's the few? Or sorry, we we can talk about so more that, that the, first beat with the edge. That first beat with the edge and Natalie's performance in the challenge. That's we fine. About. We're done with that. <laughs> fire tokens were done by the finale. That's what shocked me. Yeah, that was bunk. Yeah, it did. I, no, I didn't hate tweet. that they were oh, done. Oh, so we were asking that before you peed, right? Like, what? Like, how does that look without Edge of Extinction? I think That's, it can be done with people sending stuff to someone on the other tribe or, or someone else in the game that, and they don't know, you know, it could work in a, it could, it could work in a blood versus water season where you have incentives for giving people on the other tribe something. Well, why can't you just, uh, yeah. Giving them away, selling stuff. I don't know. I like, what about, what do fire tokens look like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. I just um, love that the big proponent proponent of fire tokens in the premiere was Nick, and he got hosed the most by fire. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I sure heard did. it theorized that perhaps he was like part of his motivation in like voting out Jeremy and thinking he could go to the end with Tony was, hey, I'm sitting on all these fire tokens. I'm going to have like three idols. Yeah. I can cash these in. Yeah, right. And then he was told, you know what? You're not going to get three idols. This is the best you can do. The challenge <laughs> to... disadvantage. That was really weak. Yeah. Well, it looked like, I mean, I noticed, I mentioned this last week. It looked like they made the challenge. Basically, instead of giving Ben a disadvantage, they gave everyone else an advantage. The way the challenge was designed, they just moved everyone up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which makes sense because if he doesn't use it, you want to have it so that everyone can be the same. Mm-hmm. You don't want just one of them to be longer, you know, like the structures all have to be the same in case he doesn't use it. Yeah, I feel like fire tokens 
I have very mixed feelings. I mean, there were some interesting things. I I feel like the fire, the greed for fire tokens was kind of interesting, but it resulted yeah. in some of my favorite characters, like Xander and Yule, kind of overplaying their hands and and contributing like to their departures. Um, yeah. Like on an emotional level, I didn't like that. I feel like right. it's another thing that they didn't really have the information of what they were. So is that a good thing or not for the game? Yeah. Like, here's the strategic element, but we're not going to tell you, we're not going to tell you what, we're not going to tell you yeah. what, uh, what you Yeah, trust us, these have value is yeah. less strategically <laughs> interesting than here's exactly what you can do with them and when. Yeah, uh, like... Okay, so this is with my game designer hat on. Good games are made of a series of interesting choices. Mm -hmm. And if sometimes there is hidden information, that's okay. But making choices based on the information you have is uh, like that's the structure of a game. And if the what puzzles me is why Survivor seems to lean away from the players making choices, like um, picking someone on a reward. Um, that's a really important choice, but it gets glossed over a lot. Um, picking somebody to go to the final two with you, uh, uh, you know, and so, so much more stuff ends up being random. Like, there's like Ghost Island was always random. Um, they didn't yeah. make people, they didn't force people into making a choice. Like if right. they had to have Ghost Island, which they shouldn't, or Island of the Idols, <laughs> it should be like, we're going to pick a name out of a hat and that person chooses who goes. Right. That's can, so much more interesting. You can choose yourself. But that's it. And that, used to, that used to be the case with who's going to go to Exile Island, remember? Yes. Like, remember Yao Man sent himself, and it was like, whoa. Yes. And Wendell gave up a reward with his dad to go to Ghost Island. So it, it's, yeah. it, it makes good stuff. So if fire tokens can be made to represent choice, I'm in favor of them. But if they, uh, you know, if they end up being, like, you know, the choices were like, you can set the price. That was better than the rates. I don't know. I... I yeah, I, I know the 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 menu was dumb. Yes, the like you can get peanut butter, a tarp, or an idol. Well, th you know from you know this is the reason Jeff why you got rid of the auction ostensibly is because people don't buy the food when they can buy something that actually helps them win. So like make all of the advantages you can buy with the with Unless your token. Right. Well, tight, you know, that was a surprise and it was fun. And thank fun. God he did that yeah. because it would have been boring if he had watching you know? people read a menu is not fun in the same way. When they went to Island of the Idols in the first two episodes, Rob points to the sign and says, this is the oath of the idols and reads it out loud. And I go, if he points to that sign and reads it every yeah. week, I'm going to drink poison because um, <laughs> yeah. it's not fun to watch people on Survivor point to stuff and read it. They don't read tree mail anymore. I mean, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Although they did once this season, I was shocked. They did it on, they did it on Edge of Extinction a lot, but they, yeah, they did it they in real. They fully read a tree mail. It was the episode, it was the Tony episode, the special Tony episode. Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. Even more reason why that episode is like the best episode of the season. <laughs> that was absolutely It's nice to see that there still is tree mail. Uh, I yeah. know that there's tree mail. Kerhoffer writes it every episode and it hasn't uh -huh. been shown. Like it'd be interesting to track when's the last time tree mail got read during an episode. It probably wasn't in the 30s. Very you know, rarely, if, if you I know, 
Miles, we have had a discussion so many times, and I'm sure that you, you know, we've had this discussion with you as well, but it still comes up every year and it wouldn't, it would be interesting to cover it again. Um, how much flexibility is there in terms of changing the challenge, swapping challenges, changing a part of a challenge. Yeah. Like for example, Michelle really good at this puzzle in this episode where she was last to get to the puzzle, but she fucking dominated it because she had already won that challenge in the past. Um, you know, how much, yeah. how much home cooking can the producers do if there's someone that they want to stick around or whatever? <laughs> no. So there isn't a someone that they want to stick around. That's not, well, okay. no, you say that, but I don't, I don't, I don't believe Hold that. On, you don't guys, accept you the guys premise continue, of You guys continue talking. My, my son is screaming for me. Yeah. <laughs> Keep right. going. Yeah. What? Okay. So, you, but don't no, accept the premise. I, because here's, here's what I can tell you. Crackers. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not cutting this out. It's too good. Okay. Grim <laughs> crackers. When he he's, comes, he's almost okay. he's almost as surprised as I am at your answer. When he comes um, back, we're calling him Graham Crackers. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hey, Graham Crackers. That sounds like a good name for a grandfather. Um, yeah. Hello? Graham Crackers. Hey, Graham Crackers. <laughs> so, like, as like before, I told you guys, this, like, I have to go. Like for the the twenty seconds before that, I was hearing. Ever louder and more insistent, Daddy, Daddy. Yeah. My son, who will be five next week, was at the door and uh, with his. I opened the door. He's got his bike helmet on. He's like, "Can I have graham crackers?" Like, <laughs> yeah, and then my wife came, uh, entered from the front yard and was like, "Come on, I told you, no, let's go, let's go." <laughs> he was going oh yeah he's doing the second parent run uh, back in back yeah, back well, i don't even yeah. think i think she meant i told you no like don't bother daddy yeah yeah well look we, we yeah. uh, the world gets it the world to be honest scott it. i'm shocked that this is the first time this ha has happened all season well, it happened at the end of another one of ours that's it right it happens for right. the end like he can take a couple hours and then he's like he's so used to me being home all the time yeah it's that's the deal right now and you know so, he's out on his bike like i'm the one who like you know plays you know role plays with him we do like superheroes and Star Wars. Anyway, such a good dad. Uh, you get a oh, gold star. You get a gold Thank star you. for answering the door and giving him graham crackers. And do you ever change the challenges to be uh, to favor him? Yeah. So here, let me tell you something because this is I uh, because I heard I tuned into a podcast. Oh, I, I heard my name mentioned and I was like, yeah, that's what I like. Everybody'd be talking about me when I'm not around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eagle maniac. You were like, oh, we should ask Miles. And you were like, can they change it? Like, you know, what do they change? So you know that there's a lawyer there from standards and practices because of the game show scandals. So they can't say that up is down and down is up if they like a contestant. And you know that they say, we make the people look good and we make the people look bad. That's what mm -hmm. they do. They can make Wendell look like Wendell in Ghost Island. Then they can make Wendell look like Wendell in season 40. And if they wanted to do it and vice versa, they pretty much could. Okay, they can't make JP look like Tony. And they can't make, um, you know, they can't make Which Natalie Tenerelli look like she's Kim Spradlin. But, you know, they can make, they can blow people up and they can. But yeah, they're not interested in making Nat Natalie Tenerelli look like Kim Spradlin. What uh -huh. I'm talking about uh -huh. is, I'm not talking about the perception or the way that the viewers would perceive someone. I'm talking about 
It's very obvious when, I mean, you know, you and I have played these games in, you know, even at the park or whatever, you know who the big players are, you know who the the splashy people are, the people that the, you know, if you were watching the show, you'd want them to be around as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the producers know that too, right? They can't, like you said, they can't make anyone look like Tony except for Tony. And so mm-hmm. they're incentivized, you know, it may not be legal, but they, you know that they want to keep players like that around because they're good TV. They can't make bad TV into good TV as easily as they can make good TV into good TV. I don't, I, I don't know. I think that who it's interesting you say you can tell who the splashy players are. Uh, maybe, maybe. But okay, here's a procedural answer to your question, which is there's an individual immunity challenge a bit tipsy. I'm pretty sure Tyson has won it. Um, oh, it's actually, no, no, no. Tony won it this season. I love that you know all the names of the challenges because <laughs> they don't even put those on the show. So it's like, really yeah, you're fun. right. You're right. It was the one that Tony won this season. It was Which his first one? win. It's the patience challenge. Okay. Yeah. You stack blocks that say immunity from bottom to top and you're holding yeah. onto a rope and you back okay, up yep. step over step. Okay. Yeah. So in season, that was on the air in season 40. In season 39, once they merged, they had that challenge built as the backup. And every time somebody got voted out, they would break down one of the setups. So they had a bit tipsy for 11 people and they had a bit tipsy for 10 people. Mm-hmm. And nothing, okay, so. nothing got messed up. Like, okay, another challenge this season was Bermuda Triangles. You balance on the floating Snoopy doghouse in the water. Um, right. Who yeah. won that one? Denise and Jeremy? I, think, I don't remember. I think you're right. I, or no, 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 Denise and Jeremy won Get a Grip where you hug a pole. But anyhow, oh, yeah. um, so if you're going to do Bermuda Triangles and there's a squall and it's not just the water is choppy, it's, ah, we got to ax this because of the weather, okay? Then you move the challenge from Bermuda Triangles to a bit tipsy. A bit tipsy uh-huh, is your sure. ace in the hole. If there's a squall and you move from Bermuda Triangles to a bit tipsy, and then the squall continues, and you still can't do a bit tipsy, you're fucked. You're not fucked because you're John Kerhoffer and you're amazing and you will pull something out of a hat. And an example of that is in Survivor South Pacific, a challenge that Ozzy won and is famous because Sophie said to Albert, pick up the cards. Um, it was mm. a House of Cards challenge on a teeter-totter that you held in place with one hand. And it was a situ- similar situation. They were fucked and they had these teeter-totters and they had cards from House of Cards. They're like, great, put these together and it's the immunity challenge. So when awesome. a backup challenge is needed, one can be conjured. But the notion that there's like a Price is Right style cabinet with all the games ranked by who is most likely to win them <laughs> and they can okay. be swapped in and out at will based on what the producers believe will be the most appealing story is a preposterous fiction. You've all worked right. on television shows. Do you think that they can do that? No, listen, I don't think I'm not the one. I don't think what? that they do this necessarily, but it does seem like, you know, there's a lot of things we can point to where it seems like, well, and you know, that <laughs> challenge sure seemed to be set up for this player and that you player can point to. You will well, a lot self, of people can. You're a self-avowed no, you can't use the dodge a lot of people. You have to own that you are the voice of the conspiracy like theorist. Trump, a lot of people are saying 
<laughs> yeah, right, whatever. We were all um, thinking it. You brought up my, that listen, well, my there are a is... lot of challenges that I've seen on the show this season that I remember like, oh, so-and-so I think won that, but they're gone now. They're not mm -hmm. in the game anymore. And so I think it's just like sort of luck of the draw that like Michelle was still in the game by the time Michelle they got could to have this one. been voted out at any point and that challenge was on the pitch deck that gets so that's 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 my the so pitch yeah. deck is really what I'm getting at here yeah. they have a schedule for yes. these challenges yes. and they they know exactly when in the season they're going to do these challenges yes. and if the, and it's great if a person gets to do the challenge that they won in the past Jeff yes. gets to mention it yes. blah 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 Great. Uh, but yeah, so they don't they don't swap them around in the order of the pitch deck because they do take a lot of time to set up. It's not like yes. they just you're saying can, the reason that they would swap, swap it would be weather related. Uh, weather related or if something goes wrong in a play test, that was the origin of the South Pacific challenge I referenced. They play tested a mm. final six immunity and it proved unsafe and unfair. And it, it had to get nixed. Interesting. And who determines like uh, who determines like that it's unfair? Does S and P even bother weighing in, or are they already Cochran. is it already nixed before Cochran they even say? The yeah, they they, they bring Cochrane. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, Jeff tweets. No, I got the Sia money this year. They're all millionaires. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, don't you think? Don't you think Sarah's going to get the Sia money? How the about giving some Sia money to the Penner family? The Penner that would be a family. nice that would be a nice uh, gesture to ALS. That seems to be the the movement of the of the moment. I like yeah. that. Let's start that going. If you're on Survivor Twitter and want to ping Sia and direct Sia to donate to Penner's charity, that's a Please. great idea. Yes. Let's get that going and take credit. All right. Well, percentage. okay. So you know you've answered my question to the extent that I am comfortable with and uh, ready to move on. And we are knocking on the two hour mark. We are. Did minus she, but I want to ask about that challenge. Did minus a pee break. Did, did Michelle kill it at the, how much of her killing it at that puzzle was because she had done it before and won it versus just, or is it just, she's naturally really good at that puzzle. And that's why she was able to do it so well, both times. You know what do you I think, mean? Ryan? Column A, column B, right? Like, of course, both have to be factors. Like, well, I'm saying if she hadn't already done it, would she still have come up and killed it that easily? Her track record at that puzzle is unimpeachable. Was she, I wonder, was she last the same way in Winners at War she got to the puzzle last? Was she also last in co -run? I don't remember. Doesn't yeah. matter, I, you, tell you. I mean, I, I don't think that they were cutting around that. You heard Jeff voiceover. Michelle is last no, the she was definitely and last, yeah. She's so, not like a, I mean... Joe Del Campo might have been last. Joe Del Campo. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was still on the he toilet. He probably was. He was he still on the was. toilet, yeah. yeah. Remember, it was something crazy from that season, and that was the first live finale that I ever attended. But in that finale, there was a challenge, I believe it was in the finale, because did Joe get eliminated in the finale or in the penultimate episode? I feel like it was the penultimate episode, but I'm not certain. I no didn't. pun intended with eliminated. Oh, boy. <laughs> there was a thing where you had to throw all your sandbags, but you couldn't run and get them. You had to wait for Joe to come out of the woods and throw all his sandbags. And so Aubrey was like twirling, waiting for Joe to come back. And it was this <laughs> weird rule that they've never used before or since. And it was totally like, a, what does Frank Lloyd Wright say? The doctor buries his mistake. The architect can only plant ivy on his. 
Uh, and uh, <laughs> when the Survivor Challenge has a rule like that, it's like, uh, okay, throw in some music and show Aubrey twirling. This was a mistake, and we can't cut around it. Yeah, um, interesting. Uh, and that's uh, like we say. We always used to say when we made Channel One Hundred and One shows. Scott, maybe you guys talked about this too, but like make sure to get some footage of the clock on the wall there so we can cut to that. If we have an awkward uh, edit in the, in the show itself. Like, yeah. Like, uh, uh, we're, we're into it. Yeah. Right. That's, I see what you're saying. Like, this is what time it was and we're getting, we need some B roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so Michelle and the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, I don't see her and you know, I could have her wrong, but Spencer was a guy who printed out all the puzzles and David Wright was a guy who printed out all the puzzles. David Wright famously to no effect. Spencer memorized the seven piece puzzle from worlds apart so that he was able to do it. Like he practiced it. If Michelle did that, if she printed out puzzles and practiced them, would she practice one that she already won? I doubt it. I have to think that she just has a aptitude for yeah, puzzles she doesn't seem like the type she I don't doesn't seem she like the type printing to out practice. practicing puzzles period i don't see it i think no. if you are that type you do practice ones you already won she won a memory challenge in her season i think it was if my memory serves the last memory challenge ever there were animals painted on like a eight-sided structure with a hole in the middle so you could see the people's faces while they studied the animals mm. and she swam mm. back and forth everybody swam back that. and forth and she won that and i thought that um uh, I thought that Aubrey was going to win that challenge, but I thought that Aubrey was going to win more than she did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Michelle is mentally strong and she proved yeah. it in that puzzle yeah. and in that memory. Yeah. Let's talk about Michelle. Cause I, you know, the fact that she got zero votes was really not cool to me. Um, you know, she didn't play a great season. Uh, she was out. She was on the outs on so many votes. That's but she a big did negative. Yeah. She did kick it on yeah. at the time when it started to matter the most, right? Given her perception the, yeah. at final six and beyond was really good. Given the, um, the right opponents, she could have won the game. Yes. If she I think she played a really smart like game. Ben and, ben and Nick. Nick. She, yeah. she played a smart game for an edge of extinction person because she was perfectly poised to work with Natalie upon Natalie's return. And that's partly because Natalie and Michelle are friends. Well, but if yeah, you they were allied in the very first, uh, that's right. Too. They voted together at their, at well, you know, all three case. of the finalists were from New Jersey. That was a funny coincidence. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. And the, the three with the three women in the final four were also the three most recent female winners. Yep. Um, and they were, and they went out in their order yes. that they, <laughs> it's just insane. This but season, yeah, I've, it was like a beautiful poem, like a John really Donne sonnet yes. that yields more and more beauty upon further scrutiny. There were a lot of poetic uh, details that emerged that just happened through serendipity. But yeah, I think Michelle that's deserved... Scott, that's Lacinendipity. <laughs> Lacinendipity. <laughs> Great. I love it. Uh, yeah, I think Michelle deserved more than zero votes. Um, I mean, I think Tony deserved to win. Yes. But I think that, of course. especially when you consider, you know, and we've gone over this ad nauseum, Natalie was in the game for five days. Yes. And I do say in the game, because Edge of Extinction, I think, is a different game. Yes. And they say repeatedly, you're playing to get back in the game. Yes, which yeah, means no, you're only in the game for five days. Michelle survived. She was in the game yes. for 39 days. And yes. I think that's something interesting to note. Her her probably top ally, Jeremy, tweeted that he felt 
it seemed like he felt guilty for not voting for her. He yeah. tweeted that Michelle did a great job and I wish I would have been a better friend to her. Well, I mean, when you're the jury, uh, I got a but number seven for Natalie. Yeah, I got a number seven. Oh, well, voting for Natalie was also cool of Jeremy. Yeah, that's but I got like, a number, you know, family to him too. So That's right. I got a number 17 a little bit, the jury. Because like Jeremy is saying like, oh, I should have voted that way. Like he only just got out of Survivor a little while ago. Like I, I don't expect the jury to have clear-eyed, perfect vision. And sure. also like Jeremy just came off of seeing the episodes framed the way they were that's yeah, that's very know, lovely will, of jeremy to say yes i will say i i've been on four or five juries now and it's you never feel co- fully confident that you're making the right decision or almost never you know there's always room for voting for someone else and sometimes it's really hard and you just have to go you know what i just like this person better so i'm gonna vote for them yeah uh, there's yeah. just a lot going on when you're on the jury you cannot like uh, anyone who's like mad at Jeremy for voting for Natalie instead of voting for Tony. Do I think Tony should have won X to zero? Yes, he should have. Right. I don't think Natalie deserved any votes to win. Oh, tut tut. But that's just a byproduct of the rules that I personally have a problem with. Right. Yeah. Like, um, how, how about this? If anyone, you said, if anyone's mad at Jeremy, cause voting the way he did, let me, if anyone's mad about survivor, yeah. knock it off. People they were playing. It's like, it's like saying, you know, I'm so mad at uncle Jerry for that. When he made some, you know, aunt, I'm stumbling over names. Uh, do you have a family? No, I, I don't, don't know if I like where I'm this is going. I'm, just up, gonna, I'm trying to make I'm so up mad at Uncle Jerry for touching me. No, where is this going, no. Scott? For, for <laughs> charging me rent on boardwalk. You know what I mean? Or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. For trying yeah, yeah. To, to buy, for outbidding me on yeah, the yeah, utilities. Yeah. Um, but okay, I, I will say that Denise, in her exit press, um, I just, all I do is read articles and report what I And read. you're a great asset. You, I don't and, have time. Like, can you tell me what's been on our hap? Because I haven't had time to listen. And I, like, you're the correspondent. If you're like, listening <laughs> to us, you should be, you know, our hap should come first. Let's be honest. There's a lot it does. more insight on our hap. Well, don't but, worry. It will from now will. on. Uh, so Denise, uh, but Denise says uh, that there was no question she would vote for Tony. It was clear as day. Okay. Zero question, zero conflict. And then they asked her, I think this was Dalton Ross. Well, what if it had been Sarah and not Tony in that position? And she said, oh, yeah, no, Sarah, 100%. Okay. Well, yeah. Denise is very smart, and it's her first time on a jury. So yeah. I, I defer yeah. to her. Look, sometimes oh. it's 100%, and then time goes on, and you think about it more, and yeah. you change your mind. Like, you know, my live to give game, I voted, for, I voted for Serena, and I have many times thought, oh, maybe I should have voted for Nicole, or maybe I should have voted for Jesse. You know, like, and that game was a tie at the end. So, like, me changing my vote literally could have changed the outcome of the game. Wow. Uh, literally would have because I voted for the third place person. So, wow. Um, and I, I go back and forth on it all the time. I'm at the end of the day, I'm still confident in who I voted for. And, yeah. you know, she got to, de- she got to decide the winner as a result of me voting for her. So that's cool too. Yeah. But, you know, there, it's still like it, when it's hard, it's hard. This one I do think should have been easy, but. I don't respect Edge of Extinction. Granted, I've never been on Edge of Extinction. It's 
I'm sure that it was difficult. It's nothing against for, Natalie. It's a don't hate the player, hate the games. Yeah, exactly. Don't, no, don't hate it all. Let's all just have what the world I, needs now is love, sweet love. Sometimes hey, I hate the see, game, though, Miles. We got to see Boston <laughs> Rob on a jury for the first time. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, and yeah. He was, he was classy. He, was, he handled it well. He was all right. How I mean, about you? Oh, wait, let's talk about you all being nervous. That was fun, right? Yeah, you all. I'm the most eloquent man alive. Also, I'm also nervous to speak. Yeah. Um, so we are, as promised, in the third hour. And Ryan, yeah. you just did mention uh, backyard uh, homebrew survivor that you played. Do we yeah. have other beats that we before segments? Do we have other beats that we want to hit on the winners at war season? Or no, should let's I go move down? on. We, we we covered. We should I go down? On. Okay. Then let me let me go down on my list because I want to talk about Survivor Trojan Horse. Do you feel who did you vote for on Survivor Trojan? I voted for Jen. Yeah. Do you acknowledge that you were wrong? Survivor Trojan Horse. Okay. Ryan and I played a Survivor game in the abandoned LA Zoo, and one Mm -hmm. of the players was my business partner and friend Greg Snyder, the CEO of Wise Guys Events, not Wise Guys Entertainment. Scott got his intro wrong, but he got my company name. Uh, He got my intro wrong. It's okay. Uh, we still have to go over the summer, the pitch for UPN smart guys. Um, survivor, no collar, Jen Brown was in the game Mm -hmm. and the game was made by a guy named Ray and he, Uh, you're going to call him out by name and then trash his game. Call him Ray or you can call him Jay or you can call (laughs) Should we beep it? You want to beep it? Oh, no, it's there. fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Keep keep going because he had an element. He, he knows. He knows. He he, he has sense. No told idea me what you're talking game. about. So. And I will say this: that as much as as that game was a disaster, I've played games that he's done later that were literally amazing. So yeah, he's I, capable of amazing games. Look, I'm a person who lost this game, so what I say should be taken with a grain of salt. I was bitter on it, but yeah, one player from each tribe had a special ability where instead of the person who got voted out being eliminated instead the person selected by this person goes home so no that's not quite true they engaged in a game of chance against the person who got the most votes uh-huh. and the loser of that game went home uh-huh. in any case it, it functionally ended up being randomly that the person that the trojan host chores chose every time went home instead so the majority the person who got voted out never left. Instead, somebody from the other tribe walked into your tribal council and kicked somebody else out. That is how I was eliminated. That's how it functioned almost the entire game. But I fought my way good. I fought my way back into the game at like That's the final great. 10 or something. Sure. Um, and uh, at, Greg was still in the game and Greg was playing in an alliance with Jen Brown. And Ryan, were you part of that? No, okay. uh, but Jen and I are friends and I, I'm the one who got her to play the game. I convinced her to show up. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Like, um, because I was like, this is great. My friend and business partner, Greg is in the game. He's partnered with the person who has these unfair special abilities. I'll just join their Alliance and we'll play together. And they're like, nah, man, we yeah. got to vote you out. And I was like, Oh, no, that's on. what they did to me too. Yeah. To, to be fair. Like they thought they had the numbers and they didn't. So, um, they uh, were like, we're going to vote you out. And I was like, okay, well, Jen, and I like sidebarred with Jen. I was just trying anything I could think of. I was like, okay, well, tell me who you're going to pick. And it'll, it'll just be helpful for me if you would do me that kindness, if you would do me that courtesy. And she's like, well, I'm going to pick you. Like meaning that I was going to get votes and the Trojan horse would pick me. So I would go home for sure. Mm-hmm. And I just said, oh, that's great because I have an idol. So I'll just play it. And then it for sure won't be me that goes home. And she was like, you have an idol? Let me see it. And I was like, okay. 
and we walk over to the picnic table where we've put all our things. And in my mind, I'm going over what is in my purse that I can <laughs> show her and pretend. This was a great play, and it did have a huge effect on the game for a while. And pretend that it's an idol. And mm-hmm. I get to, so I have like a few footsteps on my way to the picnic table as I'm thinking, I wonder what I have in my purse, chapstick, keys, sunglasses. I don't think any of those are going to pass for an idol. And then I happened to have a gold coin that was given to me by some veterans that I were in a business class at USC. The military paid for them to attend business classes. So in their post-military career, they could become business people. And I was hired to teach some games to them. And in gratitude, they gave me a coin that they had minted. It's called a challenge coin. It's a thing that people in the military have. Apparently, if you and somebody else get a challenge coin at the same time because you were part of the same like military act or whatever, and right. years later you're in the bar and you slap your coin down on the table, they have to have theirs on them and slap it on the table. Otherwise, the loser buys the winner a drink. So it's like this is a memento that you always have with you in case somebody calls and asks to see your coin. And Interesting. I was carrying it around in my purse. Perfect. And it was from USC. And it had a Trojan on one side of it. And the Do you theme, think it was the first challenge coin to ever be carried around in a purse? <laughs> it might, Come on. It might also, well. It had a USC Trojan, so that was perfect. It had a Trojan, Trojan horse. And no, we thought he had an idol. And it was this we all thought he had gold idol. coin with a Trojan on it, and I showed wow. it to everybody. Yeah, that's great. So at the tribal council, they voted for somebody else, and I did not play my idol. I held on to it because I knew that it was worthless. Um, so then at the next tribal council, <laughs> Ryan pulls me aside and he sidebars with me. He's like, man, you have to tell me, you have to, have to, have to tell me, you know, how adamant Ryan can be. Is your idol real? Is it real? Is it, is your idol Listen, real? but this is what I said. I said, if it's, if it's actually real, cause there was some de- debate because you had come back into the game and you said, I found this idol before I was voted out the first time. And we we're like, would Ray let him use that? There's a whole bunch of like debate about the rules. Oh, yeah. The debate so, was angry and bitter and it went on for a yes. long time. And I was, it was really it. annoying. So I, my, my point was like, if you, you actually really do have an idol. We can make something happen here that will benefit us both. But if you don't, you know, then then there's no point in me like pulling Jen out of the tent right now. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to expose me and Jen's like relationship yet because there wasn't going to be a way for me to leverage that. So like I just wanted to know if I should vote for you or not is what I really needed to know because I knew they were going to split. I said it's not real. And Ryan was and like, I voted for you. Yeah. Ryan was like, oh, uh, it would be really helpful if it was real. I was like, thank you, Ryan, for that Cochran like coaching. Like, I really needed that. Yeah. I really wished that it was real because it would have been sweet because I think Jen would have worked with us then. Everybody was going to vote for me. So when it came time, instead of playing my Trojan horse coin, I picked up a leaf and I said, I'd like to play this as an item. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, I'm a funny no, they split the player. votes on us, though. They split the votes on us. That's what they did. Um, yeah. So you did. Because they had, they had overwhelming numbers. It's like eight to two. Well, you guys you. have had a lot of fun. Now, yeah. Scott, I want to draw you into this because are you aware yeah. that I did a Survivor Comedy Sports uh, Brent, Brent Steele? No. Okay. No. So uh, last July, I got on uh, – it was a Zoom actually before we were all Zooming all day every day um, mm-hmm. with uh, Nicole Devon from, Survi- uh, from Survivor <laughs> – from Comedy Sports Chicago. Yeah, and I know a- Nicole Devon. 
a, well, it's for the listener. And a D from okay. Comedy Sports Boston, <laughs> and Marianne sure. from Marianne Rambo from Comedy Sports uh, Portland, and uh, a D and Nicole and I each drafted a tribe of three Comedy Sports All Stars and three Survivor wow. All Stars, <laughs> and we fed them into a Brant Steel. And uh-huh. Marianne was administering the Brant Steel and sharing the screen, so we could see how our picks came up week after week. And so, like. Um, Sean Rector was in the game and, nice. um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Rachel Waring from comedy sports Manchester was in the game. Uh, and it was just this wonderful mishmash. And one of the three comedy sports players that I drafted was the founder of comedy sports, Dick Chudnow, who yes. I, I said, uh, and just so you know, much like Cochran wore a sweater vest and Ryan Ulrich wore a turtleneck. Dick Chudnow is wearing a bathrobe and he's playing Survivor in a robe. Um, and uh, I'm going to spoil it for you. Dick wins Survivor uh, wow. Bits Island. Yeah. In <laughs> a bathrobe. I love it. He's got the greatest name of all time. <laughs> Chudnow. Wow. When do we want it? Chudnow. <laughs> And I, my joke was like, I feel like if I called up Dick and I was like, hey, Dick, you just won the simulated Survivor season that we ran on a computer. He'd be like, oh, I think I remember that happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a beautiful story. <laughs> it was on my but list. I, I wrote, I wrote, Scott needs to go. You got to go? I, well, I'm just sensing that like, you know, the demand for graham crackers is probably growing. So yeah. I just want to move us along from... <laughs> Well, non-televised we versions of survivor we did my trojan horse i went down my list we did my trojan horse we did my it bed. was a good story it was a good story. yeah yeah yeah. this story. was i told you i spent the whole season drafting this list so i love, um, it. I love uh, it what else is on that list okay i got no. <laughs> i okay do you got time like how much time do you want me to do you want five minutes like you want me to wrap it up we'll do our, our, we got to do our segments yeah yeah we'll do our segments just keep in mind that uh, you know there's going to be a cut okay so quickly the first survivor finale i ever attended and i can't remember how much this i covered i was at the co-wrong finale when michelle was crowned the winner because i introduced my friend alan to jeff probst and alan and jeff have become best friends and alan called me up and said come to the survivor finale with me and with jane mcgonigal who's this game designer and author and a friend of alan's and of mine so the first time i attended the finale it was as a friend of jeff and it was like vip treatment all the way and uh, it was amazing. Um, and then the next time I went was when Kerhoffer's filming schedule didn't allow me to, didn't allow him to participate in Challenge Alley, and he asked me to fill in for him. So there I was working, but I was filling in for Kerhoffer, and uh, it was still, you know, it seemed like VIP. Like we had great badges that got us where we needed to go, and we got sure. to see to the finale. And so then the third time that I attended with Scott as, you know, by my side and my mom as my, the charm. as my plus one, um, I did, I did something terrible and I need to redact the name of the person that I did it to. Cause it doesn't reflect poorly on them. It reflects poorly on me, but to spare them embarrassment, give me a made up name. What's a first name? Chud. Steve. <laughs> Steve. Okay. So, uh, I included Steve, uh, on my team and, uh, the first time I attended the finale, because I was like on Alon's badge and a great guest, I was in the green room. I was schmoozing with the contestants. I was schmoozing with Debbie and with Aubrey, and with Neil, um, uh-huh. and Nick Majorano. Who doesn't want to schmooze with schmooze with Debbie? Debbie said she was talking about people who are not vegetarians, and she's like, "I'd like to eat human flesh." <laughs> 
Okay. That's so on brand for her. That was I wish experience. that could have been another Chiron for her occupations with Cannibal. Cannibal. Yeah. That was my experience of Debbie is like, oh yeah, she's exactly who she is. Um, like Reem. Uh, so, uh, that was my experience. Like that was my memory of being badged. And so when Steve got to the lot before I did, I was like, Hey, go to the green room. There's food in there. Help yourself. <laughs> oh, no. And I get a phone call from somebody higher up and is like, hi, um, miles. I'm here with Steve. Steve works for you. And Steve was in the green room opening the fridge and getting the food. And I was like, oh, no. This oh, is wow. all my fault. I fucked it up. And then I went there and I spoke to that person. And I mean, this is like, you can picture a scenario like this where a person has authority over kind of a low stakes scenario that doesn't matter. Like who drinks yep. the sodas that are in the fridge for the VIP? It's not very important. But this person is in charge of that. And this person said, Steve, Steve gave my name, which was the right thing to do. And I got this voicemail from this person and I went and I was charming as fuck and I cleared it up and it was no problem. Nobody got kicked out. Nobody got in trouble. Nothing bad happened. I was charming and I papered it over, but I have been so embarrassed. I have not talked to Steve about it and Steve <laughs> has not talked to me about it. And I have just, wow. I just let it slide. And then we had like this great experience and I've seen Steve a bunch since then, but I am mortified that I did that to Steve. And I am like, pretty good at talking to people, but rather than like communicate with Steve about it, of like, let's both just forget that it happened. I'm so, so glad that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually Michelle Obama. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so that Steve in the fridge was on my list. Uh, on my li So I alluded to, I did this zoom with survivors. So uh, I, I know these guys, Jordan gold, and uh, Max Temkin. And I know Max through the games community. He is the creator of Cards Against Humanity. And Secret Hitler is also a, a Max project. And he's uh, I see him at games festivals like Indicade. Jordan is also a big game player and a magician. But I know him because he and I attended Weight Watchers together in West L.A. Oh. And did he's lost. Did it, did I know Jordan. I've met Jordan. Did you say did it work Watchers. for me? Yeah. Did you like it? Yes. I lost 30 pounds. Then I oh. lost them again about 10 years later. Okay, um, well, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, so who were these big shots that you were uh, Zooming with? Yeah, so Jordan and Max have a Kickstarter, and as a perk for their Kickstarter backers, they were like, we're going to do a Zoom with some survivors, and we'll we'll uh, record it and yeah. share it with you. So PG was involved in this, right? Yes. She's friends with Jordan. And yeah. she reached out to me and said, will you join us on the Zoom? And the other people on the Zoom were Alon, the creator of Exploding Kittens, uh, a record-breaking Kickstarter card game that's in many households, Max, creator of Cards Against Humanity, PG, Gabby Pescuzzi, Rick Devins, Ooh. Lauren Ooh. Ashley Beck, uh, uh -huh. Cool Survivors and Tyler Fredrickson. And um, I'm just dunking on Tyler. Uh, uh, everybody loves to dunk good on target. Tyler. And, good target. and I was like, uh, what am I doing in here? I'm not a value add. So I definitely had like an imposter syndrome moment. But then they referenced like Miles. Is a challenge I'm a challenge consultant. But like if I worked in like the uh, – anyway, I, I – uh, they were very nice. They included me in the conversation. That was where Lauren talked about the unlucky chair in the fire – uh, uh, you know, when, when, when you're and, uh, Angela going in fire against Wendell and you trade seats, you know, or like, is it, is it true? And I bet somebody on Twitter has already answered this. Is there a cursed seat in fire making, which is like the unfair seat for whatever reason? Um, and a survivor, and I won't unmask them, but I think because I think this is after we'd cut the recording and a couple of things that were said that were off the record, somebody said, because we were still a week away from the finale. And somebody said, does anybody know who won? 
And this one survivor raised their hand. And I think it was just one. And I won't say who it was, but I'll say it's who you probably imagine it is. And I was like, oh man, I don't think being spoiled on the winter would be fun at all. But that information, if you want it, is out there. So, yeah, well, you know. So wait, can yeah. you, I don't understand what just happened. Well, <laughs> what did they say? They, this is a survivor who claimed to know the winner of Winners they at War. knew the winner. Yeah. And there they, were a lot uh, of survivors like that. Okay, oh, right. I'm sure a lot of there them. All, there almost always is, yeah. which is why I asked PG when she was on here, are you spoiled? Because... Yeah it's somewhat reasonable to su- to suspect that yes. a previous yes. player, especially one that's involved in the survivor community like PG right. is, sure. is spoiled. It or, happens constantly. Or it travels. But, so what were you saying? They said that, it, what did they say? That's actually the end of it. That Yeah, I guess oh, the Ryan's contextualizing what I said makes it not that interesting. But I will say that PG, confidentially, she did not raise her hand. So when she told you yeah. she was not spoiled, yeah. she was telling oh, the truth. Yeah, yeah. PG. I believed her. Yeah, there was no reason not to believe. It'd be her. weird if she were lying and I outed her in that way. That would be weird. <laughs> so we'd have to get her on the horn right now. Well, I would. Don't. I would cut it out. Don't worry. I covered uh, everything on my list except I need Scott to give me the logline for Smart Guys on UPN. Well, what I was referring because I was trying to remember what the name of Wise Guys. Oh, shit. <laughs> events. 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 God, Ryan, you got to leave them out to yeah. twist longer than that. It's always fun when Scott fails. Well, and, you know, we're uh, knocking on, we're knocking on three. So rarely. Um, and I've said Smart Guys. But what I meant was that there was a UPN sitcom called Smart Guys. Yeah. I can give you one a, a log line for the one about your company. Oh, no, you don't have to do that. Uh, yeah, right, how about I do a plug and we go to segments? Do you like how I've come in as the director of your podcast? Yes, yes I love you it. always do. That's great. <laughs> okay, what? yeah, Wise Guys Events. Visit us on the web, wiseguys.events. We're doing a lot of remote and virtual team-building games. As a business owner of somebody who has for 10 years said, I make games without screens, this has been very disruptive. The coronavirus is laden with people. And I've played yes. once or twice. Uh, in, they're very fun, but they involve people being together yes. out in the world. Yeah. Like theater. <laughs> it's meant to be yeah. done in person. And however, actually, I think that the team building games uh, as a genre has is easier to move to Zoom. I have actually for built sure. a Zoom game that is like invented for playing across Zoom with other people that I'm really proud of. Like, I'm not saying it's like my masterpiece, but I think that in the same way that like, I think it's really cool to make up a comedy sports game if other people play it even if only for a little while. Um, I yeah. think that's... Well, if you need play testers, let me know. Yeah, Ryan, I actually do have some stuff I'm going to loop you into because we already launched two products and people can hire me. I'd love that. <laughs> We're a small business owner and things are topsy-turvy. But we've got a 90-minute program that's the Party Platter, lighthearted parlor and party games. And a 90-minute program that's the Puzzle Pack, Puzzles and Brain Teasers. And we're building new stuff. On Monday, I'm doing a playtest of our Room Escape game. I've invited five tough Room Escape players, including PG, to try to break it and find out right. if it's, like, Hi. how much it... You know, yeah. Miles, I... You know what's funny is you just jog my memory from back in the... That's right. Uh, Miles and I met doing improv with a group called Comedy Sports which is a, as a national or international reach. As and Andy Crocker is a comedy sports player. Andy Steve Crocker, Andy is a comedy sports player. Andy and I met. Dan Harmon is a comedy sports player. Steve and I yeah. met at the ground link. Yeah, Dan Harmon of Community and Rick and Morty, which Ryan and I both worked for, starting comedy sports. Yes, yes, yes. Steve and I met at the Groundlings, and we got kicked out of the Groundlings, <laughs> went to comedy sports, Steve, A.G., and I. Uh, I but you just jogged my memory. A, I believe I did invent a comedy sports game that we played 
every so often, and B, I've forgotten what it was. Boo! Great story, Scott. Who would remember? Still getting played. I'm thinking maybe Phil Ward. Oh, yeah, Phil will remember. I'll text him and ask him. Please ask him. You know that, by the way, and this is, we're way in the weeds here, and I do have to go soon, but I get, uh, uh, I'm somehow on the LA Philharmonic's uh, (laughs) mailing list from the Hollywood Bowl. And every email I get from them is from L.A. Phil. And I always think it's from our mutual friend. Ward. It's been going on for years. And I go, oh, Phil. Oh, no, that's not Phil. <laughs> all right. All right, all right guys. Let's get to our segments. We really it. have said it all now. Boy, you're so um, eager to get off the horn. It's okay. It's no, well, it's not I that I want it. to get off the horn. I'm actually trying to help Scott do yeah, uh, yeah, a little I, bit here. Okay. If, um, you know, when we started this, there was no – this uh, season, there was no pandemic. And I thought awesome. I would be available for – hours on end but that isn't the case and yeah i would stay and look, here and babble all day but i don't want to shortchange our listeners this is the last episode of uh, snakes rats and gorts oh. so um i let's do our segments but let's open the field up to everything since our very first season of podcasting which was what season 30 I season believe. 30 world so you can choose who got the loudest over the last five years 10 this. seasons yeah. Who, you know, your biggest hold up bro moment and who's going to have the most ill regrets. Let's start with hold up bro, as we always do. Are you going to edit in the drops for this? Because it's a special last episode. I always edit in the drops. Oh, that's right. Always does. And I just did now. Hold up, hold up, bro. All right. This is hold up, bro. This is the moment over the last five years, 10 seasons, you thought, Hold up, bro. And you had to watch that again. Maybe you could even say a whole season or an episode, whatever you want. Um, go for it. Ooh. Well, I, I was actually prepared to do the finale. So I'm going to give you a few answers. Okay. So you gonna, do okay. local. I'll do express and we'll go around the horn. Yeah. I was only prepared for hold up, bro, because there were two hold up bro moments that I want to discuss. Okay. And, and I'll also tell you probably which season I would rewatch. Great. Uh, at the end of it. But my hold up, bro, for the finale specifically were twofold. I probably watched three or four times in a row that shot of Tony in the spy nest shaking his head. No, 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 don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and my wife was like, she was like, oh, that was probably from, you know, another moment. B-roll. Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. And too. I was like, I don't know. I think that's who Tony is. You can even see in his confessional when he's talking about it. He's like living it. I love that. I that want great. a meme of that. Tony peeking out from the leaves. going. Oh, no, no, That's no, a no. good meme, actually. That could apply to a lot of things. That's, That's funny. Amazing meme. Yes. I mean, it's not as good as the Corinne, um, Maddie, Maddie's yeah. smiling great big with the, Yeah, that's yeah. a classic. So that transcends Survivor. The, so, uh, but this one, the very beginning of the show, and I'm going to credit Caden, my wife, for this, is that like, when Jeff's like, we're here in my garage. And we're like, wait a minute. We got to go back and look at this garage. Like, first of all, this is no normal garage. This is like a, a room with painted walls. But as she was pointing out, she's like, there's just like, there's nothing in there except there's like three or four bikes. Yes. And it's like, she, she was like, no, that's set dressing. She's like, those might be real bikes, but like... Somebody was like, "You gotta, Jeff. This is this garage. Yeah. It looks so empty. Yeah. You gotta let's t- let's, yeah. it. And Jeff was like, "Okay, well, 
Let's put our bikes. We'll arrange yeah, them. That'll look like a garage, right? Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I think Tony's house, by the way, was an Airbnb. In fact, I'm almost positive really? that they were like, well, we can't shoot at our house. You can't bring all these people in with cameras and stuff because they had two cameras set up. But that doesn't mean there were people. Uh, not a lot of people, but there was a secondary camera that was definitely a professional camera. Well, it wasn't that was just another a... weird thing was that there was a secondary camera that was better quality. Yes, than... because they set it up and then Tony's family came in to this rental house. I guarantee you that wasn't his house. There wasn't a piece of art on. No kids live in that house. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that if you have two cameras and one of them is... 10,000 times has better picture picture resolution. You should use that for the close-ups. Yeah, well, it they can't they'll get shamed if it looks like they prepared too much. Yeah. It's the integrity Why, of would the reveal. So thing? bad if you had all three of the finalists on high-quality cameras. It would imply that you sent people over to set them up. Is this still the hold up, bro? This is <laughs> I, I also want to say I don't think Natalie's boyfriend was real either. Just kidding. Yeah, he was a um, deep fake. <laughs> he didn't. He, did you notice he never blinked? Oh boy. So I just like that. There's a guy in the world who, like, ten years from now, is going to be like, "Yeah, I was on Survivor once. This girl I was dating <laughs> yeah. was like on the show, and I was yeah. Like, next year, you, was she lost, but and, it sounds like you're talking about John Fincher right now. <laughs> John Fincher is uh, he's that's he's a, a survivor guy. legend. He was on the show. He was with this girl, he and she lost, just like you said. That's true. But but anyways, I'm about okay. dating somebody years ago who I no longer. Yeah, know. fair enough. Yeah. Um, Who's your fa- What's your favorite old bro of all time? Oh man, I I, know, I don't remember tough. enough, so I'll go with Tony and the Spiders. <laughs> yeah, no, this is fun. So, okay, um, a hold up. Oh, what's your hold up, bro? Re- if I was to rewatch a season since 30, gosh, well, it would be between 31, 37, and 40. You got to uh, say what they are. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Cambodia, Second chance. David versus Goliath and winners at war. Okay. Um, so I think. At this point, Cambodia, just because it's been long enough. Yeah. Not a very exciting answer, but it was a great season. Was one of the few really good seasons in the last five years, I will say. Um, yeah, go ahead, Miles. If you have something in mind, go ahead. Otherwise, I'm ready. Uh, well, okay. My I'll answer first was season. It's either David versus Goliath or Millennials versus Gen X. That's one that I'm super excited to watch again. Um, yeah. I watched that then, one again with my daughter. She watched it for the first time. Oh, so good. Uh, it was a, good. It wasn't as good as the first time for me. Okay. Um, a great hold-up bro moment from uh, the last five years. Yeah, I'll say Kelly Wentworth idling Andrew Savage out of the game. Um, that was a good hold-up bro moment. Yeah, that was what's good. What's your favorite moment? Huh? Favorite well, moment? at this point, it's like, what do you want oh, yeah, to yeah. watch? What's, yeah, what, what's, what's like the scrub-it-back moment? Um, yeah. Oh, golly. Uh, I don't know. You go, Ryan. All right. So the season I would watch again is Worlds Apart, just because I think it's probably one of the funniest seasons in the last. It might be the funniest season. It's really cringy, too, but it also is like really funny, Uh, especially pre-merge with Vince and just a crazy cast. Right. Um, 
I and then my hold up bro moment is also from Worlds Apart because I swear to God I didn't imagine this, but no one has ever mentioned it or corroborated me in any way. So now I definitely need to know. I swear to God, when Dan Foley was doing a confessional, he was submerged in the water like chest high, and he farted, and there was bubbles behind him. I swear to God. This is, and I want to confirm that this is the content that keeps people listening as we get close <laughs> into the three hours. I can't believe we're ending. I we'll don't know, really <laughs> we'll know what happened. <laughs> so there you go. That's my hold up, bro, from the last five years of Survivor. All right, let's move on to. But we'll just have to see how it plays out, right? <laughs> Number seventeen. Voices outside my door. Yeah, all right, oh, let's go. Son is reaching his arm under the door. Hi, <laughs> That's I like see me. you. I see your arm, and I love you. All right, uh, Miles. Down about three minutes. Uh, all right, let's give to Ill Regrets. Chris Noble. All right, <laughs> Ill Regrets. What's the time? It's time to get ill. What's the time? It's time to get ill. Regrets. This is Ill Regrets. Who's going to have the Ill, illest regrets over the last five years? Honestly, I think there's one answer for me, and probably once you guys catch on to it, you will also agree. But and it's not a fun answer, but I'm gonna have to go with Varner. Okay, I'm gonna say oh, yeah. Lauren Collins for playing an idol on Chris Underwood. Uh, okay, yeah. There's also Varner. Um. <laughs> well, those are two very different types of regrets. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, if we're talking is- game decision, yeah. No, no, you know, something within the game itself. Yeah. All right. So now we've done, maybe we'll cut back and do the, what's the middle segment? Uh, get loud. Um, but you guys have to sign off to your listeners. This could be the last episode. We're, no, no, no. Come on, come on. We, we will do. We, we don't have to end this fast. Oh, okay. Let's hear you guys. Let's hear Scott's I took Ill Scott's three-minute timer, literally. Ill regrets yeah. from, uh, from the last five years. Um, I'm going to say my wife for letting me do this podcast. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> She certainly got ill regrets right about now is my guess. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to getting loud. We only like it if it's loud. We only like it if it's loud. I can get loud too. What the? All right, recency bias is going to play a huge part in this, but this is getting loud. Who got loud? Who stood out in a good way over the last ten seasons of Survivor? Well, I'll give a winners at war answer and say Sophie Clark. She had a great run. It's too bad she didn't win. It's too bad she didn't come back from Edge of Extinction. But for somebody who won the first time she played, and a lot of people were wondering what it would be like when she came back, she did get beat. She got outsmarted by what many would say is the best player of all time, blindsided with an idol in her pocket. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, Sophie Clark's second at bat on Survivor, she showed why she's so good. She represented herself well, and I tip my hat to Sophie. That's a great answer. I'm going to go with Lucina. Yeah. I think she played one of the most dominant seasons we've seen, certainly in the last 10 uh, seasons. And she was one inch of fire away from playing another incredibly dominant season. Uh, She's the best modern player. Her game has way less flaws than Tony's. And uh, for me, Lucina got loud big time. Word. I'm I'm not going to shock you because... Under pressure from the little voices outside, I don't have much time to think, so I'm going to say Tony. Tony got loud. 
But I'm going well, to go get him and bring him in on this because I have something to say for our last show. And I'm, okay. I'm on him here with. So you guys talk. All right. Bye. All right. So, Miles, when we uh, inevitably have some random uh, Snakes, Rats, and Goats finale episode down the line eight years from now yeah. and Scott and I get a reunion. PH, yeah. Will you, uh, will you come on again if we do a finale episode? This is one of those weird appointments that I had in my calendar before Ryan coronavirus. And, and I will always right. hold a place in my heart for the Great. snakes, Rourke's, Luskins, and Goats finale. Can you hear us? <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. We got we you. Hear you. Okay. So this is, this is uh, Holden. Hey, Holden. Good afternoon, Holden. Hi. I want to say this is what you're talking to, this microphone. We're going to go on a walk in a minute, but I want to say that when we started five years ago, I don't know if you remember, but there was a question as to whether I would be with you for the mm-hmm. finale podcast of Worlds Apart because Holden was born. Uh, I remember. The day after the finale of Worlds Apart on Jeez. May 21st. May 21st. Nine, uh, 2015, and here he is. He's about how old are you about to turn? Five. Yeah, you're gonna. Be he's like, it. yeah, they can do the math, Dad. Five's a big <laughs> kid. He's not a little boy anymore. He's a yeah. big, strong awesome. kid. The big boy. You are a big boy. And well, pretty amazing that when we first started podcasting, this kid didn't exist, and. Uh, <clears throat> Here he is, five years later. That's pretty awesome. Poetry, it's, some symmetry in that for you. Yes, some yeah. serendipity. Uh, this little babushka was just uh, just in his swaddle. Uh, I think, if I'm not wrong, the first time I met Ryan face-to-face, we didn't exactly meet. I took my wife to a live know-it-alls. And yes. when I got there, we got there, like, cut it real close. And I felt like such a big shot because Stephen Fishback was like, hey, Miles. And then the, we got our seats and the lights go down and this handsome man with a guitar steps past us in the front and gets up on the stage and he goes, Oh, Hey miles. And then he plays the know-it-all theme song. And I was like, Oh, I know who that is. That's, that's Ryan Elder. <laughs> and that was our first in-person meeting. So I think it's only appropriate here in the finale, just in the same way that our relationship began with a song. I have prepared a song Ooh. for the finale episode of Snakes. Fantastic. I'm just kidding. I don't have a song. That's not like a nice <laughs> It's 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for having me. It fills my heart with gladness to talk yes. to you fools about Survivor and to all the fans out there who make Survivor so popular. Thank you for enjoying the show. I do mean it when I say that if you're mad about Survivor, knock it off. However, if watching Survivor makes you think more about social justice and equality and how people, how white people treat other people and how men go through the world and are different than women. I'm glad that we're thinking about that. I'm glad that I have my eyes open about that. I mean, we didn't even talk about yeah. that whole discussion yeah. that Lucina started and Jeff. Yeah, that was about himself. That was also some nice poetry to end uh, 20 years on. And how about the fact that they claim they're coming back? You have fall. four eyes. <laughs> four how about the eyes fact that they, they what now? <laughs> 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 about that, Miles? They, they're committed to coming back in the fall? Oh, uh, no, I don't know about that. And I don't know anything about the 16-year-olds. Um, oh, no, I don't even. That is that that was horrifying. Yeah. I think he meant the fall of two years from now, and people who are currently 16 will be 18 then, sure. and then it's they can play. Funny. Let's, uh, hope, let's hope that's what he Miles meant. and Ryan, 
What does a light do? What does what do? A light. A light? Are you talking about this? Is this a joke? Oh, is does it have a punchline? How many podcasters does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, what does a light do? So I think it you guys should have the oh, last word. Answer, you guys. It lights up. There you go. Yeah, it does. We should have we should have seen that coming. Uh, you should have been ran. I want to say. <laughs> I want to say if I may get a little. My you know, one love was twenty and twenty two. What's twenty and twenty two? Yeah. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. All right, Ryan was going to say something. Yes, I just want to say I want to thank anyone who's still listening to this now, and anyone who ever listened to us. You know, Scott and I started this because we uh, shared a love for Survivor, and we knew each other through Channel One Hundred and One, and we thought it would be funny to do segments that were named after our some of our favorite moments on the show. And we figured we'd talk about Survivor for two hours together, anyways. We might as well record it. And you know, over the years, we've had, you know thousand listeners sometimes and it's pretty cool and we've had some fun times and we've had some arguments and uh you know i just i thank everyone for listening and engaging with us and making being a survivor fan uh with scott so much more enjoyable so thank Uh you well i want to thank you ryan for doing all the work (laughs) for five years Listen, I cut a lot of corners, okay? <laughs> and everybody who did listen, and maybe one day we'll be back, but probably not. First Survivor has to come back. And Miles, thank you for being there the whole time as our finale guest. Yes. No so, place I'd rather be. It's a. Uh, well, when mommy's got. What is that? Cookies? <laughs> cookies. Cookies and oh, graham crackers. Okay, I'm putting on a mask and coming over. <laughs> She lured him away. <laughs> so I can give my tearful goodbye. Uh, no, I, this has been an awesome podcast, an awesome outlet. It's been uh, challenging at times. Yes. Especially during the, uh, during these unprecedented times. Well, nothing worth doing is uh, not challenging. So I, I think that sentence makes sense, right? I think it's a um, lot like living on the edge of extinction, doing some podcasts. It's challenging. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, I'm hungry, so it's similar in that way. Yeah. I ate a piece well, of banana bread on this podcast, but I tried to hold the mic away from my face so you wouldn't hear it. Good job. I didn't hear it. <laughs> That's the level of professionalism and commitment. You are a pro. All right. Well, right. We've said Scott, it all. Miles, thank you so We've much. we said it all. Continue to reach me at Ryan Elder Music on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, find me on Instagram. I'm at Miles Nigram. I'm, I'm trying to do that more than Twitter. I, I'm going to debut my new Twitter today, and it's at Scott Chernoff. So <laughs> awesome. you can tweet me there. Okay. Um, thanks, guys. And thanks. there you go. This is it. We'll just Let's see how it all plays out. Yeah. Cue up JD Risner. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to end just as abruptly as the finale did. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The tribe has spoken. Now I'm going to put out your little lamp with my lamp stopper. <laughs>